Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmed Aldouri. I'm a concept artist and former instructor at Art Center College of Design, Brainstorm, CCS, CGMA, and various other places. And I would like to introduce to you this digital painting course that I've created. But before we get into anything, I just wanna thank you for the support you've all given me this whole time. And with the support of so many of you, I've been able to put together everything I know about painting into this digital painting course. You want to become a pro, illustrator, concept artist, or even just a hobbyist, but you don't have a clear map to get there. And that's where I come in. I spent the last six months compiling everything I know from my 20 years of art practice, and I've turned it all into a map. Starting with foundations such as rendering shapes, color theory, painting basic subjects, understanding brushwork, brush economy, all that fun stuff, deconstructing the skull, drawing it from every angle, Angle, all the way to master studies, stylized painting, and you'll find yourself at the end of the course doing a concept art project based on everything that we learn in the first 14 lessons. So how does it work? Well, you sign up, you watch the lectures, do the assignments, post them to the community page if you want, and treat it as a self-study, except for those of you who have signed up for the weekly meeting where I personally critique your work in a virtual classroom setting. I believe learning by repetition is super important. That's what I've sort of presented a lot in this course, and the assignments are tailored for that, as adapted from my time teaching at Art Center. And each of these lessons have step-by-step -step explanations in real time. If you've ever seen my videos, you know exactly how I teach. And this course is intended to be a substitute for a college level course, but you don't have to pay the four or $5,000 per class, racking up maybe 200K in debt. With my custom design course, you'd be paying a fraction of that. And of course, I also have payment plan options if you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once. Thank you for watching this and I'll see you soon. Hey guys and welcome back to Digital Artcast. Um, thanks again for joining another episode. It's always great to have you guys here listening, tuning in from wherever you are in the world. And of course, as I always say, um, I hope from wherever you're listening from, you're staying safe and of course you're being creative. Um, I'm glad that you have taken time to listen to us. Um, I always hope that these podcasts and these conversations uh, help you relax and just chill out uh, and have some background noise while you're, you're doing whatever you're doing and uh yeah um great again to, to have another episode and to keep going and you know the last couple of years have been a bit um crappy but hopefully we're heading towards a bit of normality now and people are getting back on their feet and the world is getting back on its feet so um yeah good good times coming i'm hoping fingers crossed um yeah again for anybody who's joined the discord recently and put in comments about 
future guests or anybody that you suggested. Um, again, as always, I'm taking those seriously and I'm trying to track down the names and people that you're trying to want to get onto the podcast. So uh, again, yeah, thanks for leaving those comments. If you guys check down below on links, you can find the Discord uh, address and you can join in there if you want to do any feedback sessions or posting of your work or even just talk about the podcast. I'm always happy um, to to chat about uh, what I do. And of course, we have the Patreon as well now. Many other links that you can check out um, for different courses and they are all down in the description. Um, today, we have another great guest, uh, someone that we've tried to get on for a while now and uh yeah just with scheduling as always it's a bit difficult but finally got him on um to talk about his career in the games industry specifically and of course within the the realm of 3d art uh today we have on mr tim diaz so hi tim how's it going gordon neil <laughs> mr gordon good, good it's good to see you man it's in the, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's been a while uh yeah 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 I, uh, welcome in so we've, we've been trying to schedule and, and organize and, and get this up and running but uh you're a busy man these days, man. You're uh, you, you're chomping along, working hard. So yeah. Speaking of which, man, like I I know like with the time difference and everything, like I know you're probably it's probably super late on your side of the screen. So I definitely oh, yeah. appreciate you probably staying up way past your your bedtime. So oh no no we're good here. It's, it's not too bad. It's about it's about six p.m. So we're we're fine here. But like oh, yeah, cool, I mean, cool. yeah, it's it's not ridiculous. But yeah, thank as I was saying to you before we started recording. Thanks to you for coming on and and taking time. I know you're obviously super busy with work and life yeah, in general. Yeah. So yeah i'm glad you're on so no and especially too with your podcast like i've been i've been rewatching like a lot of them just like just to prepare for this and just like just seeing how natural it is and just like man this is actually really cool like it's it's like i'm really glad you're you're doing this and like i I hope like more people like like get the word about and start watching and just hearing other people's backgrounds and their stories like it's really cool to to hear everyone has a story uh Yeah, yeah super cool so I mean, like, something kind of pointed out the other day, I think I've, I spoke about this in the podcast before, about how I'm only maybe, like, one of maybe, like, three or four people who's doing hardcore industry stuff. Like, we're talking to people in industry at the highest echelon of what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, the people I've had on, like, Scott Robertson and Esben and Maché and, you know, just loads of other people that have, uh, Glauco, you know, people who have, have, have kind of climbed the highest peak and, and have got to the top and talk about their stories and their beginnings and, um you know and we get emails from from students around the world who are like yo dude like your stuff's really inspiring me and like um you know the guy who like left his job when he turned 30 to go back to school because he was inspired by my journey so yeah it's a whole it's a whole thing and i'm glad that i'm really just thankful for people who enjoy what i do and, and want to listen so yeah to those guys thank you so but no thank you again tim for for just the compliments because it's always it's just nice to yeah. hear i think it's just affirming when people acknowledge what i'm doing so yeah. yeah and especially too man like i mean you're working on the hustle man i mean you're you're working on your own craft you're doing a lot of networking you're you're, you're you know putting your your feet to the pavement you know talking to people going to events you know you know just you know just making contacts man just seeing where everybody's at and like just getting a feel for where we are like even back yeah, then yeah. like like listening to your summer you know some of your stuff talking about you know uh the horses unicorn like stuff like you know just yeah, meeting yeah. those people you know traveling all over the world and yeah, and just you know, it's, it's a big deal for a lot of people, especially too, because you know, just even before the pandemic, it was just hard just to get out, especially like finance, you know, finances and stuff. And you know, you got to yeah. make if you're gonna go out that far, you know, you got to buy passports, you got to get tickets, you know, yeah. travelers insurance, visas. Oh, yeah, dude, and it's like, brutal, man. It's it's tough. When I went to Lightbox, that was a whole thing getting the is it the S part or the S cat? I mean, it's one of the things where you get the, the international visa. You can go to America for, I think it's like, it's valid for a year, but you can go, you know, like 30 days on a trot to the US. But yeah. um, you had to get that all arranged before I went to LA and that was a bit of a headache. But 
such as international travel, it's one of these things you just need to just need to handle. But it was worth it. Yeah. You know, people I got to meet, you know, I got to finally, well, not finally meet up with Raf because I met Raf Gazette at THU. That's how we first met. But then got to catch up with him and Della and a couple of other people at Sony Santa Monica. I got my book signed and, you know, got to tour Blizzard, got to tour Riot, like those places. So, I mean, that was that was just like a great trip in general. But it's good because, yeah, because you're planting seeds in people's in minds and I brought everybody souvenirs from Scotland. So they were all, they've got them on their desks. So every time they look in their desk, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember Gordon. So, yeah, it's always a good thing just to, to leave it all when you know leave behinds but yeah like even traveling to THU was the same you meet people there because they get such international travel as well and and yeah. short shops iMag you know it's, it's all my money all my money when I should went on, on just going to events because I knew it was so important but I now need to focus on the other half of that which is work <laughs> and get yeah. the portfolio shiny um but then hopefully once it is shiny I've got enough people on my network when I put it out into the world people will be like hey mm-hmm. that's cool shit somebody hired yeah. them yeah man definitely um Okay, so enough about me, talk about you. Um, for people who don't know, we know you're Tim Diaz, but what are you currently doing in the world of art? Yeah, so currently uh, I'm at 343 Industries. Uh, right now I am the lead cam- uh, campaign dungeon artist for Halo. And for anyone that's not aware of what that was, or if you haven't played uh, the most recent Halo Halo game, Halo Infinite, so uh, we broke it down into two sections. So there's the ring or the island world, which is more open. It's more open-ended. You can play however you want to play. And then we have more traditional Halo experiences, which we refer to them as dungeons. Right. So that's that's where you know, you're going into foreigner areas. You're going into banished like uh, uh, areas and stuff like that, where it's more traditional Halo stuff where you're going big room to big room, hallway to hallway, you know, right. shoot, shoot, pew, pew, you know, good old classic Halo fun. And then when you go to the ring, that's, that's what we call like the island or the open world section. So... Right. So we, we had leads for just maintaining the open world, which we call the interstitials. Yep. And then um, everything not interstitials was dungeons. So right. and that's where you come in, basically. Yeah. So for Halo Infinite, I was the lead for all the Forerunner experiences for campaign. So all the, all the Forerunner dungeons within Halo Infinite, uh, I was a lead or a co-lead with other members of our team. Uh, and we were just coming up with, you know, how do we make this fun? How do we bring back the traditional Halo feel? Um, and then like just add in the new sandbox elements that we wanted to put in. So it was, it was really cool. So now it's just, now I get to be the lead of more than just foreigner stuff. So um, we'll, we'll see where that goes. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, exciting, exciting prospects because I mean, five in a sense, I think, um, you know, I mean, well, first of all, like congrats on Infinite launching. You know, that must have been a huge milestone for you guys getting that out, obviously um but yeah five definitely had came to a point where even when i played it it, it, it felt like it was missing just a, an element that made halo halo and i think people did find there was a disconnect in the fifth one and the fourth one and you know and and three four three i think were in an area where they were trying to rediscover what made halo halo and how to bring that finesse back a lot of games i went sure. through it right you know you know the only ones you know there's plenty sure. of studios who have had to, like we talk about breath of the wild on this podcast a lot because i'm a huge zelda fan apart from halo you know but mm-hmm. um Nintendo struggled for a long, long time bringing that magic back to Zelda. And now, obviously, Breath of the Wild is a masterpiece, right? Because they just totally reinvented, brought it back to what it was the core of, what it, what, it, what made Zelda Zelda. And for you guys in Master Chief, that was obviously a journey as well. I mean, you were working on a specific part of it, but like as a studio culture, you probably felt that that was a whole thing you were all working towards, right? That kind of zoned in. Yeah, especially too, like if you if you go back and listen to a lot of the interviews that a lot of the, the leads and directors were doing, like that was the main thing. It's... um. Cause we took a lot of that stuff serious. Like it's, there's a lot of people that say, you know, 
you know, don't read the comments. It's a, it's totally toxic and negative, but you know, we, we have to, like, we yeah, have to read a lot of those yeah. Like, you know, and it's, it's a big, it's an art within itself to just wedge through, like, you know, there's always just like mean spirited stuff that, you know, it's, it's very, it's very sharp, but it's, it's not very helpful. But like, yeah. th- there's a lot of good constructive criticism and a lot of good oh, constructive sure. feedback, like in a lot of those, you just have to go find them. Um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of that stuff we do take seriously. And like, you know, um, like, so uh, yeah, um, just like all of our leads were saying, like, we wanted to go back, like what makes Halo special? So a lot of, a lot of us, you know, we just went back and just, let's just replay all the games again. Let's, let's really like nail down these things and like find the spark. Yeah. Yeah. Like with the, with the game informer, uh, uh, interview that we did, like I was talking, I was talking about my stuff and like, I played all the halos all over again, like a couple times over. It was me and another artist, John Flath. And we were just hammering down, like what makes this special? What makes forerunner forerunner? And then looking back at all the old style guys, looking at all the older assets from that we were able to dig up. Um, Cause we do have all those games like archived and then it's just unlocking the archive. Let's open it up. Let's see how they built it. Looking at their old tools, like what made foreigner foreigner and like, like how mathematical is it? Like when, when do we need to follow these guidelines to the T? When can we kind of be a little free floating about it? So yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it, it was really cool, man. It was super informative and yeah. it's, it's not that four and five didn't have that. It was just like a different, like it was a different way to, to bake something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, even a challenge again on top of everything you do because even between five and infinite, yeah. you were again jumping a console generation, so you were again even more next gen than the last one. So, building for Series yeah. X, of course, you know, and yeah, it, and, it's, we, yeah and, uh, and it was cool too because um because we were still staying with Xbox One because we we didn't want to leave those people behind. Of course, like there's a lot of people with, that you know have Xbox Ones, and you know, especially with just how the world is right now, like. A lot of people, stuff, yeah. like yeah, a lot of people can't afford the newer stuff. So, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure no one got left behind. So it was really cool just to sit back and be like, how can we push this thing to the you know to the brink? Like, how can we really push Xbox One to you know That's to go. yeah? And then like with that, like how do we bring new stuff over to the newer consoles into PC? And then the newer stuff that we build for high end, how can we optimize it so it runs? on xbox one like there's a lot of cool technical stuff with that um, oh yeah yeah yeah. i mean like it's even the, i mean the technical stuff even stuff is that it's it, you maybe don't notice it but it's it's like just you know 10 percent extra but it's like you know like 4k 60 fps hdr stuff like that it's just like it's you know something some people think it's like just like flicking a switch sometimes but it's never that easy but um but yeah like it's 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 also like repurposing the whole world and reading all those textures so they look good in 4k and you know building stuff high enough poly standard but also using the low poly you know bake system where you know, losing too much detail and, and trim sheets and there's a whole science that obviously goes into like making these things look as good as they good as good as they do and uh i think even looking on your art station you can see like the stuff you, you were posting obviously just the the level of detail you guys went into and just some of the structures um i mean it's definitely one of the most beautiful halo games i think i've ever played even though that, yeah yeah man even though i mean a lot of people would say ah oh, you know it's the same color palette you know it's the blues and purples but i think it's just the art direction has a different vibe where like you're using maybe those limited color palettes but in a way that makes the the, the structures interesting you know stuff like like your spire control room and other things you've done like you know there's enough breakup in those shapes that it looks interesting and not just like a, a kind of shape or a color yeah no it's it's cool like uh, foreigners so monolithic like 
it's just big, broad silhouettes. That's what made Forerunner so epic and like memorable. It was like you remember the big structures and the big rooms. You know, it's it's, it's cool, man. I it it makes it memorable. It makes you like remember, like oh, I remember I had this fight here, and there was like these big giant pillars, and you know we had creatures coming from from the side, and it was like yeah, man. Yeah, I remember I mean, that. I mean, there's definitely there's 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 hints of different color palettes, but there's some things that are just stand out. I mean, like there was one you done. I think it was the Silent Auditorium, which was like kind of like a mix of gold and blue and, and brown, yeah. and that was also a great structure as well. And and I mean, even at, you know looking at the, the the auditorium, how involved are you with those pieces? Are you from start to finish building all of that out? You know, in in structured programs and then you know modeling UV texture. And are you doing the whole kind of process? Are you focus on maybe like one particular area and making that really just like crisp so it kind of depends um like early on um what ended up happening is so the way our structure works is so we have this uh blockout set like every every palette has a blockout set so it's like that that way we can keep with with certain standards and specs um so like foreigner we have our own sets and like with foreigner like as you notice like everything's very angular so we have very specific angles, like they're all divisible by 15 right. and uh, except for ramps, those are, they go from 15, 15 degrees, 22 and a half degrees and uh, 30 degrees. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, so we have all, we have all those so that we can make sure we build on the grid. And then like, we have like, depending on the player's height and how much they can jump, like those, uh, those degrees like help us build to. If I use this ramp, it can go up exactly one floor or one or two floors. And then I, ha- or, but depending on the angle, I might need to have an adapter. If I use this angle, it's going to perfectly fit. Um, if I use this one, like I might have to make a little wedge piece so that way it'll fit and go back on the grid. Um, right, right, yeah, we, yeah. We, have the, we have a lot of that stuff. And then every room, we try and keep all the angles consistent. Because if you have a bunch of angles all over the place, it ends up, you know, it's it's very psychologically exhausting and you're not sure why, but it's because it's so, there's so many things hitting your, your mind. Yeah, that yeah, it I mean, becomes very so confusing. many tangents and, and one yeah. place starts to develop your brain in a weird way, but that's interesting because I think Halo is one of the few FPSs, maybe one of the few games, especially um, even in first person where you don't have to build just the horizontal plane. It's also vertical, you know, so you're, you're yeah. thinking about the up and down space as well, which is really difficult. So but yeah, but yeah to go, but to go back to your thing. So originally like uh, we have the designer block out, and then our actual designers start blocking out with those pieces. And what's mm-hmm. really good about that set is we know it works. So mm-hmm. this way it's a lot easier for us to go in there and then start replacing the pieces with actual geo. So usually like uh, what would happen would be like myself and like my team, like we would go in that we take the designer block out and then we'd start building on top of it because, you know, everything's so rudimentary. It's like, okay, let's give it some more definition. Let's give it some more shape and style here. And then we take it to like a, what we would call like a proxy stage, which would be like a medium poly like standard. So there's enough detail there. So you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, then we actually have a environment content team where they specifically focus on just finishing up the assets. So they'll take either a block out or a mid poly. And that's where they start building the high poly. They'll start baking it down or they'll make custom trim sheets. And then um, we both work together, you know, to make sure like it fits the need for the level. And then, uh, and then it just goes back in like, like nothing in some cases though, like just depending on like how much work uh, was involved or how much, you know, stuff we needed to finish, then my team would also jump in with our environment content team and we take it from start to finish. So, right. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own area. Everybody gets an assigned task, and that's why producers yeah. are there. You're getting kind of handed like just schedules and sheets and stuff like that, and you're doing it in sprints. But I mean, are you, especially with the the new technology we're talking about, right? especially Eric's, you know, you're talking about pushing to the edge of Xbox One's capabilities, maybe even a little on a Series X. Are mm-hmm. you kind of you were talking about the mid poly flow? Are you still baking down to low poly? Um, are you still in some, in the, right? Yeah, yeah. In in some cases, we do like. A lot, a lot of the time, like we got, we got away with trim sheets, um, especially to like for UNSC or Banished, like, mm-hmm. they're a, a lot more detailed than Forerunner is. Like if you were to just ignore all the like all the textures, if you were to just look at it in a like just a gray lighting form where everything was just stripped and it was just the silhouettes, Forerunner is very simple. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of cases, like there's definitely layering to it, but. Um, it's enough usually the hero props. It's busy enough, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, which, and that was like one of the the things we decided at the beginning was like we wanted to make foreigner more material-based, more texture-based, so we could go a little bit easier on mm-hmm. Geo, but mm-hmm. then we really make up for it by having like really crazy like textures and materials. So yeah, that's why you can see a lot of really cool glass parallaxing. You can see all these different layers. Like when you get up close, like you can just see like, oh, if I zoom in on it, I see all these little micro details and all these macro details all over it. And then when you zoom out, it's like, man, that's crispy. So it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's one, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things you learn within game design where like people will maybe even look at things like substance now, which is, you know, the, you know Painter's incredible sort of designer. But even within Painter, people get so focused, I think, on just one individual hero prop. Like it's a whole thing now right, where you, you build your prop, you know, you build the high low poly and then you focus so much on individualistic detail and just one prop. But building for scale is like a whole other science of like, like you say, trim sheets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and especially too, like when people think trim sheets, like it's not just like a singular trim. Like we tend to have like, like a 2K or a 4K, you know, sheet. And then we have multiple trims on it just for, for color, you know, for performance. So like even going back to Halo 4, um, the very first level, the opening um, level on that ship, I think it was forward unto dawn, if I'm remembering correctly. It's been a yeah, long time. Yeah. Um, like most of that level was built off of four trim sheets. Wow. That's all we used. So, and they were all like, there's like two 2048 sheets and like two 1024 sheets. Just of <laughs> pipes, uh, just of pipes and panels and yeah, buttons. Yeah, yeah. That's all we used. And, and we did a lot with that. And a lot of people didn't realize like it's the same pipe texture all over the place, but you can get a lot of mileage out of them if you're clever. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, like for people who don't know who are listening, trim sheets are. Sheets that you'll build that are 3D kind of sections that you'll build into cubes. And then when you texture something, you'll use height maps to basically add detail to um, wall panels and, and blocks that um, isn't modeled, but is just, it gives the illusion that it's modeled. So you can get away with using those things on multiple areas and big, you know, spans of, of, of rooms that, you know, only use one one sheet or one UV tile. So, um, yeah, they're very efficient. And I think that's also why people have used them because, like, it just, memory-wise, it just makes sense when you're building such vast worlds as you are in Halo, right? Well, absolutely especially like in the 360 area uh, uh 360 area you only had so much memory to work with so it's I like 360. <laughs> i remember watching the halo 3 doc like just the, the limitation you're like oh my god everything's in hd now holy shit <laughs> oh yeah like i i remember like the first couple games i was working on like like because my first con- like dev console was um was a 360 so um granted that's not super old like i'm working with people like my first like like one of the guys i work with his first game was Double Dragon on the NES. And I'll do you one better. I've just interviewed a dude who worked on uh, 
Ratchet and Clank and, and basically invade, invade and Spyro the Dragon, but like his first game was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with Sega. Oh man, God, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's coming out soon. Craig's that you, you'll hear him soon. He's, he's going to be in the podcast. Oh, dude, that, that's exciting. Yeah, dude, I want to I want to hear about that, especially yeah, just yeah, with yeah, how Alex Kidd, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, then Spyro the Dragon, which he basically concept and built, and then four games of Ratchet and Clank went on there before he left. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's, there's a whole, there's some, some people who are like, oh, I worked on like Halo 3 or Halo 2, you're like, whoa, and people are like, no, I worked on Sonic, you're like, jeez. <laughs> like a- I know, dude, that, especially too, like, I love Sonic 2, man, like, I mean, Sonic 3 was my favorite, but, dude, Sonic 2, like, I could play that today. And still, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and still have fun with it and still beat it and then get angry at the very end because I only get yeah. one ring. So I, I didn't play much of the 3D adventure stuff because I mean, I think Mario done that better than Sonic ever could. But like when they released Sonic, I think it was Sonic Mania, which is basically mm-hmm. a recap of like basically a lot of the old levels. And it was like a fan game, it was a fan game built for fans, built by fans for fans, where like people would go in and play those games again. And all the levels were very similar to sure. two and three where they had that, that mix. So, did you enjoy the films as well? Like Sonic, have you seen Sonic 2? I have not. Like, oh, like a lot of like my Crazy. yeah <laughs> they they look cool um it's it's just now that i'm a, a family man it, it's a lot I, it's a lot harder to, to watch anything um, yeah of course you yeah, know you've got you would give time for the kids and, and the family it's like yeah but i mean I, I would advise that if you've seen you've seen the first one right the first movie Mm-mm. oh wow okay right both of them are excellent movies they're really really so, i'd say faithful to the game they're really really good yeah. so now if if you've seen the latest blues clues or Daniel oh, Tyus. Yeah. <laughs> we we could talk, man. So yeah, it's funny how that's coming back around, and that's the whole thing. It's like relaunching again, and there's a whole renaissance of like. Even I was talking to my friend about the Ninja Turtles, uh, cartoon that just came out on Netflix. Um, the whole rise of uh, TMNT, but like yeah, yeah, all these shows are just coming back, and they're finding a new life, and they're incredible to watch. They're really incredible. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Like I, I tried to get my son into Ninja Turtles for a little bit. He he didn't seem very interested, but uh, I'll try again in a few more months. So, but yeah, just try and make him read the comics from like the eighties, man. They're, they're dark. Like if you've ever read read the last Ronin, oh my god, like tears at the end of that. But like it's funny how the the comics are so much darker than the actual. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, my, I got my wife like a big volume of like the first few comics from uh, the original Ninja Turtle series, and man. It's, that's, that's deep stuff, man. That's hardcore, man. Really are hardcore. Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, even the fact that you know, like, you know, you're talking about working on 360 and NHD, um, and then now you see stuff like, I mean, AI is what it is. I'm not really going to dive into that, but like, we're on Real Engine Five, obviously, which people say like, oh, you know, it's the end of low polys, like high polys, whatever, and and then you know, voxel stuff, and obviously, we both know that'll take a long time to come into commercial use. Like, it's, it's still. Yeah. A couple of years out before you're going to be really saying that stuff i mean when i talked to somebody about talking about working in next gen they were always like the thing you always aim for in those games is you've got to fake it right you've got, you know you're not really utilizing that system you're really just trying to fake as much stuff as you can that it looks next gen it looks like you're utilizing the new stuff but you're really just trying to it's like smoking mirrors almost yeah and something something a lot of people need to realize too like whatever like stock engine you get whether it be unreal or unity crytek uh godo like any of those engines like like building something for your portfolio is very different than a shipped product. Like, right. Of course. Like, and that's the thing, like a lot of people don't understand too. Like, like there's all, there's always going to be really cool demos. Like I've been seeing these really cool demos like forever. And I'm actually glad to see people building in like real environments now. Cause when I used to see tech demos, it was always like an old man face. Right. Um, right. Right. Or it was like a, like a pixie fairy or, you know, something very whimsical. Um, Compared to a natural environment or something. Yeah. Um, so now we're actually getting, you know, like 
big like canyons and like what well, once the tech once the, their engine gets further along then you start seeing tech demos with like water and glass and foliage like Sky those are, mountains. yeah because yeah. any engine like if you see a, a tech demo with glass foliage and mm-hmm. water all in the same tech demo that's a oh, yeah. that's a solid that's a yeah. solid setup and then fire something like Lumina, you know, which is their whole new lighting system for Unreal, which basically is like real-time lighting, like kind of ray tracing almost. And yeah, man, it's yeah, cool. There's, yeah, there's so many cool things within Unreal. Like, um, I mean, but like you said, like, it's difficult when people try to build with their Unreal, but then if you go to places like 343, because I'm assuming you guys still use your own proprietary engine. So, I mean, like, yeah, if you're building... Yeah, yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. a slip space, so... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's one of these things where, like the systems will be similar but not exactly the same so you, you know you'll, if you build stuff in unreal you'll get a gist for like buttons and menus and placing stuff within real engines but yeah like it's one of these things you've got to understand that you you won't always be using unreal or unity or something like you know a lot of studios will have their own i mean but the funny thing is it's getting less and less now right there's more studios that are just switching to unreal like even crystal dynamics recently who were like we're going to unreal 5 and that was a big thing for them as well as far as i know yeah i mean it's it, it definitely depends like what kind of style they want to do and especially like a lot of studios like they've just been so deep into their systems like it's it may not be cost effective to switch over i mean that's like at bare minimum like you're gonna be down for like a year even longer because just getting all your stuff set up set up you know getting file structure like it's not just the art it's like how's the file structure work how does like uh how the way your ai works like like every engine does AI differently. So yeah. if you have your your AI set up in your in your uh, proprietary engine, like down to the T, and then you're moving it over to something else, it's like I got to rebuild that whole thing. And the or, other place, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And people think it's like a drag and drop, where they're like, oh, yeah, Unreal Five, everybody's just going to like snap their fingers and we'll all be using it. And it's like, yeah, that's in a perfect world, sure. Like, like <laughs> you know, logistically, like in the real world, no, that is, that's not what happens. So yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think even just a, a sense in where. You know, you talk about, you know, Unreal in general, but like, I mean, I think engine is something that people obviously are focusing on now, but I don't think it's definitely not as important as core fundamental modeling skills. Like, I think that's always going to be the thing that sells you because no matter what engine you're using, you're always going to need to implement those skills in a oh, project. Yeah, uh, I, I know we've talked about this before, um, like in, in our Discord, but I, I one of the things I always emphasize too is we have all these great tools now. And I am super grateful for a lot of them. Like, I, I don't want to like name products just because I, d- I don't want people to misconstrue that I'm insulting it or like talking down to no, it, which, which, which I'm course. not like, no, no, I, I use a lot of these tools like for, for my personal work. And we, we have a whole system, you know, for, you know, it, every, every studio uses all these tools, like right, yeah. everybody uses them. Yeah. Uh, the thing is though, like, you need to know how to build those things yourself. Yeah. Like it's, it's one thing to grab like an asset from a store or from a program and then put it in. But if, you know, if you're doing a portfolio review and someone says, Oh, I really like that tree. How'd you build that tree? Like you say, Oh, well, I didn't build it. Uh, I, I got it from here. It's like, see back in the day, like it'd be like, Oh, well, and then that, that'd be it. That that's just the end of the, uh, the interview right there. But now yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, well, so you use that from this program. That's fine. Uh, could you tell me how you would build it? Yeah, yeah. And then like, it's have, like, you learned, okay. have you learned speed tree? Do you know what that is? Do you know how to work it? Like it might be handy because you're doing environment stuff. Yeah, um, and even yeah. then, too, I mean, like, like, like like with speed tree, like that's still a great one. But it's like, 
let's say like the stu- especially like a lot of indie studios, they can't afford a speed tree license. Those things are expensive. Like just a, yeah. per- a personal speed tree license is like, I think it's like two, three thousand dollars, something around there. Like it's expensive. <laughs> um, especially to like, I mean, there's obviously tiers, but like, yeah, 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 but it's still a lot of money. Like it's it's nothing to it's it's, it's not chump change. Um, and a lot of indie studios that like they can't afford that. Like they can either buy one program or they can hire somebody. So yeah, yeah. So it's like, can, could you build a tree from Maya? Like, do you know how to take? a block or a cylinder and then extrude yeah. it out, extend it. You know, do you understand like forms? Like make how would you make a branch? Leaves, so. bushes. Yeah. Even getting a ZBrush and making, you know, adding detail, making a bit more. High yeah, that too. Like, like ZBrush is, it's when I bought ZBrush, it was 300 bucks and it was ZBrush 3.2 when I bought wow. it. So, and I remember learning ZBrush on ZBrush 2, like in school. Um, I remember that, talking talking to Mache Kutiara and he was talking about using ZBrush when it was still 2D. Like it wasn't even a 3D program. You know what I mean? Like way back in the day when it was like 2.5D almost. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So like in Dynamesh wasn't even a thing. Like even to think now about Dynamesh, right? Like how helpful that is and remeshing within ZBrush. Like, and those tools are relatively new, you know, compared to the life of the program. Um, but yeah, like I think people just are... They're kind of spoiled for choice. That's that's also a problem because it's you know people look in the grand scheme of things and think where the fuck do I start? You know, because there's so much choice. Yeah, uh, it, it'd be cool to actually like later on we can talk about like some of that stuff too, like how to build on top of that. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, but yeah, dude, I remember when Dynamesh first came out, and it's it's mm-hmm. like the same thing. Like everybody in the industry says, it's like, dude, have you seen this? It can't get any better than this. Like this is <laughs> this this is it, baby. This is it. Yeah, and then, yeah. nothing else beyond this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I remember saying that when I played Oblivion, like on a plasma TV. No, oh my and God, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, look at this grass. It yeah. ain't gonna get any better than this, man. How, where, even where, you know, like, like where yeah. are we gonna go from here? And then, yeah. and all of a sudden, like, lo and behold, like six years later, it's like, man, Skyrim comes out. Yeah, like, you, got, you got Skyrim. <laughs> it's like, dang, man, they did it again. Where's yeah. it gonna go from here? Where's it gonna go from here? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was like that when we were watching E3. It was. uh you know they were doing the announcements and whatever, but it was the whole thing of uh, the Starfield demo from Bethesda, mm-hmm. and we were just like sitting half the time with like our jaws on the floor, because um, yeah, that stuff. Crazy yeah, dude, like Bethesda, they like every game, man. Like, and that, that's what you want. Like, you want to make a better game than mm-hmm. your last one, and and that's um, you've got to, or people yeah. won't buy it. <laughs> well, even <laughs> then, like um, something that's that a lot of people get hung up on um, mm-hmm. is like man, like, why doesn't this game look like this? Right. And, like, one of my biggest pet peeves is, um, so a lot of people will compare, like, here's, here's, a, here's this game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a shooter. And then they compare it to a platformer. And it's like, these are two very different games. And it's like, why doesn't it look like this? It's like, well, I mean, it's, it's never going to, because that's not the kind of... That's not the game as... And, like, the way you build a third-person game versus a first-person game is so different. Now it's like if you compare like this platformer to this platformer, it's like oh man, okay. That now now I'm seeing what you're talking about, or like this shooter, yeah, this shooter, yeah. this RPG to this RPG, like that makes. Now if we're just talking tech wise though, it's like I wonder what tech they're using. Do you think like they have an opportunity to build, to bring that kind of tech into this game? Like, of course. like and that that's the thing too. Like uh, like with far like it's the comparing 
I was going to say, it's like comparing Halo to Call of Duty. There's maybe a comparison there because, you know, they're both first-person shooters, but they live in different worlds. Um, but then, like, compare maybe, like, you know, Call of, or, sorry, uh, Halo to, like, Zelda, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's, you know, they're just comp- chalk and cheese, basically, you know, so. Yeah, like, that's that's what I mean. It's like, man, that's a that's a heck of a jump. Like, I, I mean, if we're just talking, like, tech-wise, sure. I mean, we can always talk tech. I mean, you can you can implement tech anywhere. Like yeah, yeah. I, it's just how you're going to do it, and then what's the overall like goal going to be? But um, Does it fit? yeah, but yeah, it's it's really hard to compare game A, which is an FPS, to game B, which is like this super cartoony platform. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I, I mean, I I don't know how to compare it. Like yeah, they're, yeah, two, yeah. they're two very different things. Um, I mean, I think Halo was getting that in a sense in the media when it was a whole thing of like I think because people had seen how far stuff like Call of Duty had come. And other first-person shooters, but then it's funny though when you think about it in the world where there's not a ton of AAA first-person shooters, right? It's a very rare uh, category, you know, that is done well. You know, I mean, even looking at the guys at Software who relaunched Doom and Doom Eternal in the last five years, and what an amazing job they've done with that, and how they totally reinvented it again and brought it back from the dead, and you know, put it on the forefront of FPS. But first-person shooters are they're very rare games to see done well but also just very rare games you know because i think the bulk of like the industry is mostly third person action adventure platforming um and or puzzle games and or mobile games you know and even looking over the last year but it's like stuff that's been released and you know even like horizon like third person action games are very common now as well like um like tomb Raider and horizon zero dawn and mm-hmm. and uh, gta games like that but like yeah fps's are very rare to be you know and and the field that they're in i mean i could only name so many i mean one of them i was thinking about was bioshock which is something you worked on at one point as well so like you know it's it's it is a very rare genre that has done well mm-hmm. yeah i mean you're probably you know coming from a background also because we talked about you know learning zebras in school was it something that you were aiming for early on like were you always going to focus on like the hard surface sci-fi stuff you're kind of doing now or was oh, it so, yeah yeah so yeah going back to actually like where i how i got to where i was so i um so when I went to art school, so I went to the Art Institute of Los Angeles, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, I purposely picked that school because right next door was Activision headquarters. Oh, so yeah. we were literally like, literally the distance between like you and your neighbor, which I'll, I'll assume is like fairly close. Like Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm talking like less than like 20 steps was between the school and Activision headquarters. And then wow. across the street was Treyarch and Luxoflux. And then down, the, and then further down the street, there's Sony Santa Monica, there's DreamWorks, there's ImageWork, oh, wow. there's all these different. Well, you're in LA, right? You're in the heart of it. You're like right in the center of the, the industry. And like, uh, and all the teachers, like for the most part, were still working. So a lot of them were just doing it, just doing that, just as because they wanted to teach. So right. all the all the stuff I was learning was current. Um, right. But I originally came in like I wanted to be a character artist because you know like. To this I mean, day, I still feel character artists. It's like the uh, most popular things to yeah, do. It's, 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 yeah, they're, they're the rock stars, man. Like, yeah, yeah. everybody wants to be a character, and the competition for character art is insane. Like, it's really tough. And it's one of the hardest ones to get a job in because studios only have so many positions for that. Like, oh, your character team would be like, what, 10 people or something, if that. Like, it's yeah, like in general, like, like an average is like less, it's definitely less than 20, like a lot of the time. But like, Bigger studios tend to have more, but it's it's definitely like pretty low in general, like how many positions there are. And same thing with concept artists too. Like a lot of people, like 
there's a lot of really good concept artists. Out everybody there. wants to do concepts. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> and like, I originally wanted to be a character artist. And then there's this, and I, I hope this, I hope when people are trying to figure out what they want to do, mm-hmm. if they want to be in entertainment as a, in general, like what rather, whether it be games, movies, TV, it, it doesn't matter. Just enter, just entertainment as a whole. Like it's okay. If you can't build a character, but you mm. can build an environment. Like I know plenty of character artists. They can build this photo reel, like portrait of an actor or an actress. You tell them to build a chair though. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just something just doesn't click. And, yeah, yeah. and it's like, dude, it's just a chair, but it's like, there's just something about it. And it's, that's the same thing with me. Like I, could I build a character? Sure. But it's going to take me twice as long. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially, especially especially building humans or humanoids, like, because just you and me talking right now, like, I can clearly tell you're a human, you know, there's obvious, there's obvious characteristics, you know, there's eyes, nose, ears, like a a more or less common facial structure that we've gone through, like, thousands of years of, you know, human evolution compared to the millions of the world. Um, We know what a human looks like. Um, And then when you try and build that in 3D, and it's like, even someone who's not art centric, they know when that's off. Like yeah. the uncanny valley. Yeah, it's well. Even then, it's just like, dude, something's off. So, I can't point pinpoint if something's off with your character. It's like all dude, of a sudden, like one eye. Like, yeah, what's it's going like, on? It's like, <laughs> like, why is why is the arm here? Like, shouldn't it be around here? Like, what's yeah, up yeah. with the like? What's what's up with those muscles, man? Like, there's there's yeah, something yeah. going on. Like, you just know something's off. Um, but yeah, and and then. I ended up just focusing on level design and environment art because um, one of my teachers, he gave this really good advice that I still tell people to this day, like whether I'm helping someone like, you know, like mentoring, like an up and comer or someone who just asked for critique. Like the, there's two pieces of advice that I always give them. And I've, I've sw- I swear by them to this day. So one is be a jack of all trades, but master of one. Like usually the theme is Jack of all trades, master of none. None. But what my teacher said, be a master of one. So pick, like pick your, pick your foundation. So in my case, it's environment art. But if someone were to ask me like, can you animate this? Yes. Can you program this? I can do it enough to make it work. You know, like I, I like more or less like you're a generalist, but you specialize in one thing. So that's, that's your fallback. That's your go-to. That's the one that's, you, sh- you, sh- you shove that out first and that's what gets you in the door. And then when you're, you know, you're tell you're talking to people, you have the interview. It's like, man, you know, you can re- like, this is really cool. But like, I'm also looking for someone who can do this. It's like, well, let me show you this stuff that I can do. So I know how to do this and that and that. So the, the other piece of advice that he gave was, and this was back in 2006, 2007, if I'm remembering correctly. So at that point, like between 2005 and 2008, like a lot of people were getting hired if they knew how to bake, how to bake a normal map. Cause like normal maps were, were really coming up. Like doom three just dropped one, you know, started dropping them. And then like gears of war just came out, you know, like a lot of like people were like dang normal maps. Then I remember the big thing was you don't need to worry about poly count anymore. Just bake it. Just bake it, baby. It's going to be fine. Yeah. So if you knew how to bake a really good normal map, like people were getting hired, like, I remember like everyone's portfolio had a wooden crate in it, had a wooden yeah, crate or like yeah. some kind of like a sniper rifle. Um, yeah. If it was baked really well, you could do that. But um, 
the thing you told me too is because a lot of those positions were getting eaten up because mm. a lot of people were learning how to to do baking um and, it, and a lot of people they either figured it out from like poly count or cg society because that's all we had like youtube was yeah. youtube was still very young and it was mostly just people you know jumping off their roof or like doing dumb stuff in their backyard um at the time even our station i mean it's funny i think even our station was 2014 when it launched that's right and uh I remember it really came to fruition after CG Hub just it just died one day. Died, yeah. It just disappeared, and people's literal livelihood, like all their portfolio, just gone in an instant. Um, no more shiny bit (laughs) armor. But yeah, uh, so he was saying like you're probably not going to get a job in games, Mm. and you need to accept that. But that doesn't mean you can't get a job in 3D. So. So I took that to heart. So literally once I learned 3D Max enough to be competent in it, like I could model, I could texture, and I could light, and I could render in it, which is yeah. ba- you know bare minimum of what you need to know to, to do your job. The four pillars, basically, of 3D yeah. environment are. So I just started applying everywhere that could use a 3D Max artist, excluding some industries, which mm-hmm. I, you can use your like imagination of what... Architecture uh, stuff. No, even even architecture stuff. Like I've done some of that work too. Like, um, I'm talking. There's certain industries that may be more oriented to certain demographics. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I will say that they pay a lot of money, mm-hmm. but you know, and if you need to, if you need to pay your bills, mm-hmm. you do what you got to do. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but I would not take those jobs. Um, but anything else though, like if. Someone just needed to build like a refrigerator in 3D Max. I was there. You need me to animate this uh, this weird looking dog across your screen? I'll do it. It's 3D Max. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so, like a good chunk of my beginning career was not games. Like a lot of it was just doing freelance stuff for just random companies that were just doing 3D for other businesses. Um, and like, uh, like for instance, too, like. Um, like one of the stuff I did was accident recreation and forensics. Um, just oh, recreating okay. that kind of stuff in three, like we'd send out a team to they'd go scan the area and then we rebuild it in 3d max, render it out in V ray or mental ray. Um, yeah. Then that stuff would be used in actual court cases, you know, for, oh, wow. Uh, for, so, and that's, that was a really cool job. It's also very depressing because you have to, you have to see a lot of, a lot of gruesome stuff, man. Horrible stuff. I was going to say, yeah, it kind of scarred your, your mental image. Yeah, and it's it's inter- it's interesting. You either get really like depressed over it, or you end up looking at it as like this really sucks for these these people. But you know, it's we can help them. Like we can find a way to get them the, the justice yeah, they want. Anyway, look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, always like you're using art as therapy because you're using it to heal people or help them. So that's positive. Yeah, and then like just working at like other studios where they didn't do games at all. Like they would just do R and D for other companies. Like I remember building stuff for like like uh like like interfaces for like uh, like weapon systems for military, like doing stuff for like certain companies that deal with like space travel and stuff like that. Like what hey. what could their like future endeavors be? Like what could it look like? How can we prototype like something that you know that we could possibly build in the future? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, we interviewed we interviewed uh, Lauren Lanning back a couple of episodes, and he's the founder of Vodworld and Habits. So he made you know Abe's Odyssey. Um, but one of his first industry jobs was doing 
3D for uh like it was like military like like United States government like uh weapons uh visualization like for for programs for weapons that were like weird and out there and yeah. stuff like that he would do the 3d for them and, and then they would take that to the pentagon and they would get other funding or whatever but that was like his first proper job in 3d you know mm-hmm. outside the games and it was, that was what he was yeah. doing for yeah way back way back when it was like i think like light light wave and stuff or like light form whatever you call it but um yeah like it wasn't even like max or my or anything like that it was like way back but yeah like it's weird how the, the things you take on just to, to pay the bills but like yeah it sounds like you've had a really interesting and broad career before you go anywhere near games yeah, uh, and and that's the thing too. Like I learned so much from just doing those kinds of jobs. And the fact is, like a lot of those people you meet there probably know somebody at a movie studio or a game studio. Like, right? Th- like the three D world is very small. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, the, every, uh, entertainment arts is, in general is just yeah, very small. It's super small. Like, um, and just getting all the stuff like getting all that experience like that's where i learned how to rig that's where i learned how to do effects that's where I, I learned how to do a bunch of that that kind of like more technical stuff and even like max scripting like i learned it from doing jobs not games because you know they they would teach you that where like a lot of studios now like the days of like letting you just come in with a good attitude and like they teach you as they go like oh fuck yeah. i'm not i'm not saying they don't exist like they're still small hand i mean i don't think they do exist at this point <laughs> they're super yeah. fucking weird if they do yeah you know i mean yeah it's it, it's really hard to find those kind of studios anymore like that kind of mindset is gone like in a lot of places like i said i'm sure there's there's probably a good handful that still do it but mm. like i have i've never seen that in a rare. I, i've, I've, I've seen really that heard of people even the last five six years in the industry i've you know most studios i know are you kind of have to hit the ground running at the same speed as everybody yeah. else yeah especially too with um with a lot of the newer engines, like especially a lot of them, like they have such good pricing models, like Unreal, Unity, Crytek, especially if you're indie, like they don't charge too much for professional indie. And then you can get like a real small studio and like there's so many good tutorials out there, you know, just how to get yourself up and running. And then mm. their communities are really fantastic too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of people that want to help you, which is good. Like, um, I mean, there's, it, there's so many, even like you said, we're talking about even just like students, you know, like there's so many people even in the 3d space who i see posting stuff in art station full environments you know that are fully you know uv textured lit you know in unreal running real time have effects in them you know like a whole nine yard right mm-hmm. and one person you know, not a team a person yeah. so it's like yeah that's that's your bar already is just hitting that before you even get a, a foot in the door for an interview you know yeah i mean it's that, that's a way to look at it too like i mean this person did all this but it's that's also kind of, it also you, you need to think about like do they even want to work on a team like because yeah. that, that's the thing too like there's a there's a lot of people that are just like doing it just for themselves and you know they don't want to work on a team because they don't want to work for someone they want to work for themselves so yeah. but then again too there's a lot of people that just love doing it. it's like man i figured all this stuff out i want to be able to do all of it or some of it on an actual you know legitimate team you know i want to actually make a shipping product you know i can that would people thousands hundreds of thousands millions of people can see my work like there's plenty of that stuff too um so how did you land from school and doing the freelance stuff you've done to working on your first video game how did that come about yeah so so as i mentioned before like since we were right next door to activision and a lot of the teachers were still in the industry like uh our school had this mod team called game wizards and what we would do is we would use Unreal 2000, the Unreal 2004 ed, like editor that you can get with Unreal Tournament. 
and then we would just start modding it. Yeah. And so what we would do is we we'd build these mods, mm-hmm. and then every quarter we would have we would have a presentation, and we'd invite tons of like art directors or artists or level designers from all these different studios to come take a look at our work. And a lot of us actually got jobs that way. Oh, wow. Cause we, we, we'd have full playable demos. And right. um, so then like we would just, you know, we do a presentation, you know, we do a story breakdown, like here's the lore for our game. And then, you know, we just play it through, we'd have them play it. And then a lot of people, you know, got hired that way because we, we broke it down like how a studio would work. Granted, like, the, that mod team was way harder than an actual studio gig because uh, I the, the thing with a lot of schools is, like, they put so much pressure on you. But then what makes it worse is the student themselves, you know, they don't, they have no knowledge of what the industry is like. So, so they just put extra pressure on themselves. So just to try and get it done. Um, but, but yeah, so a lot of that happened that way. Um was that and, how you kind of moved into the, the, the Transformers game? Like one of the, well, I mean, the first one you've got in your portfolio, but I don't know if that was your actual first game you worked on. No, so my first game I actually worked on. So one of the teachers had his own studio. He was a co-founder. It was called Isopod Labs. Okay. And uh, what he would do is like a lot of us, like he would give us internships. So, and then we would work on the games they were working on so that we could get, you know, an actual, you know, in-game credit. and then build from there like the first game i worked on was uh vigilante 8 arcade for 360 oh. as a tester so oh. nice and then um they they hired some of us on to work on another game they were making which never came out mm-hmm. um but it's it was in a sense sort of like vigilante 8 or twisted metal like it was sort of like that but i a little bit more like it it's it was going a different way like but it just never never came out yeah but like a lot of us that started there you know uh luxoflux which was the the activision studio at the time they they no longer exist anymore um but a lot of us that started at isopod went to luxoflux and then because we all knew each other like because we all just started at the same time you know we were all helping each other in school like it's like hey man you know there's we got some openings coming up uh you want to put your name in and then we'd all go in for an interview and it's like they like they liked all of our attitudes, and because we all knew each other, it's like, well, we can all vouch for each other. That's how I got on Transformers too. Yeah. And then uh, just working on that, um, you know, contracts end. Like a lot of the a lot of the beginning work was contract work or freelance work. Yeah, right. And I, I will say this: so I know a lot of people, with good reason, they want to land a full time on staff salaried job. Of course. Like every, that's, that's your goal, right? You want to be able to get a job, you know, that's consistent, you mm-hmm. know, has good pay and benefits and, you know, it's, it's a way that you can take care of yourself and possibly your family or loved ones, you know, whatever your situation is. Yeah. Plus in America, like, you know, like medical insurance cover all that kind of stuff. Like it comes with America's full-time employees. So yeah, like it's, that's, that's a big thing in the U S too. Like, and uh, you know, when you're a contractor, you know, a lot of agencies, they may not give you benefits so you have to you know pay your own way yeah um yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely not cheap um but yeah so you know contracts end and i will say this so i get it there's a lot of stigma and there's been a lot of reports especially in the last five years you know 
a lot of contractors sadly have been taken advantage of and mm. a lot of people have bad times like i'm not taken away from that yes. i i completely understand their pain mm-hmm. like i mean i've definitely worked a few jobs that were pretty terrible um, yeah but i've always had the mindset of if i'm in that situation there's two things i can do i can quit and just get a new job or i can just finish this contract up get my money and then just leave do something else yeah i and and that's okay if, if the situation is bad you shouldn't feel bad about quitting. I just want to emphasize that if it's if you're not happy and if they're not treating you right, you should quit. Like you always have an exit strategy, so you have yeah. some correlation in where you're going. Like you have kind of like a plan. Because um, quitting cold turkey is very common for people who are frustrated, like ah oh, fuck it, like and they just quit up and quit. But you yeah, don't have like yeah. a plan. You're, you're going to wander into the wind and you're like oh fuck. Absolutely, like, like you should have a backup plan. But I mean, there's situations where you're not going to have one. Uh, and you need to make that call. Like, is this important enough for me to keep long-term or longer than it needs to be? Um, and if it's not, you need to do what's best for you. Like if you need to quit cold Turkey, I'm, you should hopefully be responsible and mature enough to figure out what to do next, which the obvious thing is you get another job. But I'm also saying that too, as at the time when I was doing that a lot, uh, well, I wasn't quitting jobs, but it's just, I had contracts that ended and it's like some people like when their contract ended, like they would feel like they were a failure. It's like, Oh, well that team didn't hire me on full time or that team, you know, maybe they don't like me. That's why they didn't extend my contract. It's right. A lot of times like businesses just don't have the money. Like it doesn't matter like how big or small the business is. Like, you know, they have a budget and if, there's just not enough budget to hire, you know, they hired on five contractors, but they could only afford to keep one. I mean, mm. that it's, it's usually like a good chunk of the time. It's usually not your fault. It's usually, that's just all the money they have. Like there's just not so much. You, can do. End of the day, you just have to realize that, you know, money will always come first and, and they'll look after probably their in-house staff first versus, you know, cause if their in-house staff are struggling and they're also got 13 contractors, they'll be like, well, we need to basically lose all the contractors and keep the full-time staff. So, yeah, right. it's 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 the harsh reality of business. Like, and and like, I've definitely been part of. I've been in rooms where it's like, you know, they call us all in. It's like, hey, we really like all your work, and you've been great. You, we couldn't have done this without you, but we have to cut your contracts today because we just, you know, we lost funding and we just can't afford to pay you anymore. And it's like, same, dude. same. It's it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been in those meetings. They're no great. Yeah, your heart sinks. You're like, fuck. What am I gonna do? Yeah, it's uh, like it, it is what it is. And you know, I'm saying this as someone like when I was single, uh, I, I just took, it was like I said, I just took a job that was 3d. Right. Like, yeah. And, and that's, that was the mindset I had. Look, I have bills I need to pay. I have my own responsibilities. I need to get paid so I can pay my bills and I want to do 3d. So I'm going to pick any 3d job within reason that they're like, as I mentioned, yeah, yeah, there's, there, there's some stuff. It's just I'm not going <laughs> to touch them. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, and I just get another job, you know, and granted, like it's, there's a lot like the older I get and the more mm-hmm. like I since I have to take a broader view because I have to I've also been part of many conversations like over the years of like, should we hire this person or not? You know, mm-hmm. should we let this person go or not? Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of times too where it's like, you know, I can easily say, oh, well, if I if I lose my job, I'll just go get another job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just my mindset. And if it's not in 3D, 
I'll try and get a three-year job later, but you know what? I got to pay my bills. So if I need to go work retail again or go work somewhere else, I'll do it. You just you do what you got to do to support yourself and your family. And, but, you know, some people, you know, they just don't have that luxury. It's like, I can't move. Like, I I can't do this. Like, I can't just go up and root, root myself or root my family out of our comfort zone to somewhere else. You know, a blessing of this pandemic was, a lot of places now you can stay wherever you are and, you know, you don't have to uproot your whole family anymore. You could get, you could work remotely. Um, yeah. A lot of studios are doing that, but you know, the, the sad side is like a lot of studios aren't doing that because they just, yeah they either don't have the structure for it or it's just like, they're used to having people work in house. And I definitely right. see the benefit of having everybody in house. Like it's a lot easier to, for games meet, especially i think like, games is very unique in that sense that you really you five when people are you know we can go to meetings and the whole team's in one place you know what i mean yeah like it's it's very easy to get a feel for people like you you can work off of each other you know there's a certain kind of kismet or chemistry whatever whatever fancy business term you want to use um, synergy yeah, yeah synergy there you go that's a good one yeah it's like there's definitely merit to that like i definitely don't disagree with that um but there's also too like you know, being able to work within your zone hmm. to, to be comfy where you can do your best work because you don't have to worry about people walking behind you. You don't have to worry about distractions other than what's happening, you know, outside. Um, you know, granted, Even you're, the fact you're, that you can just like get up and like walk to another department or like another person and just like get feedback almost instantly then rather than waiting on an email. Yeah. And, and even then too, like, I mean, we hit like whatever messenger your company's using, whether it be Skype or teams or zoom slack or whatever yeah like there is some benefit to that like if a lot of your studio is remote like you can't just you know do that like you can't just have these like one-on-ones like without the rest of the team and like there's there's been a good mindset of like hey if we're gonna do this you know the skype meeting you know let's call this person up let's call this person up let's get everybody in a room and you don't have to go find them anymore because you just go on the messenger and be like oh there they are they're online and then you just you just bug me. You don't have to go searching for him or yeah, yeah, yeah. anything like that. Um, yeah, like there's there was definitely. A, there was. A, yeah. I was just going to say there's a funny article where um, there was a company who were getting bored basically of Zoom because they were just doing Zoom constantly every day. Yeah, and they started a a private server in Red Dead where they would all uh, Red Dead Two online where they would get characters from Red Dead Two online and they would go around and find each other in the world and then set campfires and talk around the campfires for me oh that's cool yeah i was yeah, like dude. an original take on like having meetings especially in video games like it's it's, it's funny how uh like i think it was also almost how red versus blue started with the, the halo stuff where people would mm-hmm. you know like to meet up or talk about like business stuff they were doing they would go and play halo and they would also just sit in the, the server and talk to each other um and that's where it started the conversations where they would start to make like funny jokes during the, the conversations and then it, you know built eventually into like the whole skit thing but um yeah, it's like almost like the we were talking about the Red Dead Two the other day. That like it's almost like the metaverse because the metaverse is coming right, and everyone's kind of talking about that. Where like people will have like you know it feels like you're having in person uh, conversations or, or meetings, but they're really just a virtual avatar. Um, but the Red Dead Two thing was definitely interesting. I thought, yeah, it's a really interesting way, like our Grand Theft Auto or, or something mm-hmm. like that, where it's like a real world set and you can make your own person and then you know walk into situations where you can just openly talk to people. Yeah, um, I, the last time I ever heard of that actually happening a lot was um. I know recently people were doing that with Animal Crossing, which I thought was oh, adorable. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, then yeah, like, yeah. Before that, last time I heard about something like that was when Second Life was still like a major thing. Oh my God, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it was still a, a thing that existed in the world. Yeah, it was like a quirky thing, like you know, fancy businesses would do if they had like a lap, you know, a decent laptop at the time, which you know had like an i three, like yeah, like twenty, like twenty three something in it. And it's like, oh, I can run Second Life without a graphics card. So yeah, and it's like, man, so I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole Red Dead Two thing was interesting because the worlds now are. I mean, you've you've played Red Dead, I'm assuming, but if you haven't, but like the the, the worlds are so real and vivid that like yeah, you could find it more interesting to walk through that world and, and you know even they've done like walking things where they would go like hunting together or like mm-hmm. on a mission and talk as they're hunting like have a conversation like almost like a, a, a an outing like a, a company outing thing yeah um but yeah but it's been it's, it's hard as well because even during the, the pandemic it's been hard for people to have those kind of interactions as well and i know people are now making an effort that if you're coming into the office they're trying to make it more appealing that they will organize some kind of social event or something going on in the office that would bring people in that would be more than just like because people don't just want to come to the office if they're just going to put their head down and their headphones on like and do busy work. They want to have a, uh, something that draws them in to the yeah. office. Something that's interesting um, is like there's a lot of places that are doing hybrid work schedules now. You know, you have a mm. couple days here, a couple days in-house. The, the only issue that I've been seeing consistently is trying to get all this, like your team in on the same hybrid days as you. Like you right. could work, you could want to work like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but you, maybe your team just wants to come in Thursday and Friday, but you can't, you know? Right. So then you end up just in the situation that you were already in where it's like, you're still just on a bunch of zoom meetings or a bunch of, you know, Skype calls or people who aren't there. Yeah. With people who aren't there. And it's kind of like, did I really even need to come in at this point? Cause yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just spending the entire time just on zoom, but now I'm just in a different desk. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword as well because even with the Zoom meetings and the whole fact that you're just having to commute to your bedroom or your spare room or whatever you're using at the time for your office, but you know, you're you're then because you're gaining that time back from commuting, you're spending it more in work, and then it's trying to balance, not just doing like twelve hours a day, you know, in your computer because you're so close to your your proximity, and then even then, like shutting the door is one thing, but even that I think even for me it was painful was knowing that my office is in my house. It's hard to separate. Your work-life balance. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Especially too, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, just have like a real small studio, like studio apartment or a flat where it's just like it's, it's just one room. It's just yeah, all yeah. one room. So you go to the kitchen and you turn around, like, oh, there's your desk. There's your <laughs> office right there. Or, oh, the Zoom meeting's still on. Fuck, I better not be making my toast. Yeah. I'll switch my camera off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult. Um, like, and especially too, like, there's always that time. It's like, well, you know. I've been thinking about this thing, you know, my, my work computer's right there. Maybe I can just roll over, you know, I can just go to the office for a little bit. Let's just finish that up. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it can definitely be hard. Um, it's one of those things like, if you feel good about what you did that day, mm-hmm. you personally, I mean, you should just call it, Yeah, you know, but I mean, obviously everybody's situation is different. A lot yeah. of people's, you know, mentality or whether it be, men- you know, they feel like they're not good enough or they feel like they could have done more. They want to or, put the extra and... Yeah. Or it's like, you know, I want to, I want to prove that I'm this person, you know, I, or yeah. I, people are really screwing up. I need to go in here and, you know, it's fix it up, you know, that way, you know, we can keep on track. Like I've heard a lot of those stories from so many people like during the, this, like, these last few years. And I, I get it. I, it, it's everybody wants of, to be a rock star. Everybody wants to be the guys who are doing interviews yeah. and, and on the cover of magazines and, all that stuff like it's it's 
almost toxic because you got people working at your studio who are like you know like well i mean sparse left now obviously but like you know when sparth was there or you've got ben morrow and stuff like that like you know everybody in the studio must look up to those guys and think oh god i want to be like them i want to be like them but then those guys are the unicorns in the industry right they're, they're the rare breed of people who you know go above and beyond and have these crazy you know personal projects and everything like that like huxley and stuff you know ben's doing but you know you don't have to aspire to that all the time yeah i mean like especially with with sparth and ben like i love those guys and they're they're pretty normal down-to-earth guys so it's they're, they're just you know when they have free time they do their thing and if if they don't they don't um uh you, you, you tend to see more like you know with people just you know up, a lot of up-and-coming artists you know a lot of people just getting in you know they want yeah they i for sure see that constantly and it kind of like what kind of sucks is you kind of have to go through so many cycles of just going through the motions of like, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have good days. And one of the a concept artists I worked with like a long time ago, one of the quotes he told me was you're only as good as your worst day. Mm. And it's like, man, that's, that hit me like a, like a train. Like, like a ton of bricks. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, like or like, you're only as good as your last project, whatever you worked on last. I mean, if and if your games are continually cancelled or you're kind of jumping between your studios, then you know that might be nothing. So it's yeah, it's difficult. And it's it's one of those things like as I've gotten older and you know just trying to keep myself healthy, and then you know recently having a family, and it's even just getting older. It's just you know I don't. I don't really You're not need that as much. Yeah, I don't really need to have the all the the likes and the the follows and the the comment. Like I I appreciate everyone I get, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still happy that people like you actually want to talk to someone like me. Or you know, I get yeah, yeah, I get students or people that you know. Hey, you know, I've looked at your work for years, and you know, I'd love to you know, I'd love your feedback on this. Um, mm-hmm. And which is super inspiring because like like I get pretty emotional over it because i was in that same boat like i was emailing i was emailing yeah. like tons of people at the time like like one of my favorite artists kevin johnstone like i love oh, yeah. his work like all his he's, work he did for unreal years really, really talented like uh, i remember emailing him like for feedback on my portfolio and like he ripped it apart but it was good yeah. like yeah like and that was one of the things too about art school because all the teachers were still working they were brutally honest and because you know they do they don't deal with like school they deal with real businesses with real investor money and like shareholder money like they have to deliver top quality products like so the mentality is very different like it's it's not like it's it's nothing against mod teams or you know your personal mm-hmm. work it's just like you're dealing with somebody else's money and it's a lot like um like my first week in art school i had a traditional drawing class and you know basically to get a, a gist of where everyone was at uh, you know we do a still life and i remember i did mine and the teacher he looked at my work he picked it up you know he did this kind of thing like turning it around and mm-hmm. then he ripped he ripped uh, my paper up and then he crumbled it and he threw it in my face and then he said, this work is shit. Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm going to help you fix it. Okay. But we have to start over. 
And I mean, I don't know. That's a bit of a. I'm a bit conflicted with that. So, <laughs> that <feedback> so, <laughs> so that so at the time, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, a lot of people aren't going to be doing that now. Right. But at the time, like that was a very typical thing in the, in, in like the you know the 90s and early 2000s. Right. Like people were brutal. Like I I I also remember too working at a at a studio a long time ago. Mm-hmm. If you broke the build and you know people came in the next day and they couldn't work, they'd find out what check-in broke the build and oh, they'd shit. bring that person up in front of everyone and it's like this dude broke the build. Laugh at him. Okay. Oh my go fix oh. the go fix the problem. Jesus Christ. So I mean that that's not it's, it's not good. It's it's not no. a good thing. No, no. But I mean that's the kind of mentality like things were at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as bad as it was, uh oh. Oh, I screen flickered. Never mind. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, as bad as that was, like mm. they would always sit down and give you the advice you needed to fix it. Yeah. Um it was one of those cruel to be kind mentalities, which is not a thing much anymore, which is good. Yeah. Um, I think something that's not even cruel now, it's like there's a whole mixed bag where people try to mix encouraging people, but also being realistic in where you should aim your talents or what you should really focus on or how good you really are. Um, because you don't want to be delusional to people. You don't want to sugarcoat, you know, things. Yeah. And- I, that's the line I try and cross a lot or I try and walk a lot, especially to like, cause I know what it feels like to be embarrassed and ridiculed in front of an entire studio. And I don't want to give that to people. Like, I don't want to no. do that to people. Um, and I believe I don't. Oh, it's cool. um, I've told you to fuck off plenty of times. I mean, you know this. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's true. Um, but yeah, came it, up for conversations. I've told him to go fuck himself. So it's all good. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. It's, it's um, but like, like when people give me like when they ask for my feedback and you know i give it to them you know and uh, i tend to get the most emails in the winter and the summer because that's where a lot of colleges like a lot of the students are graduating okay. like their terms are ending and i take no pleasure at all in telling these these people about to graduate you know they spent a lot of money and a lot of time and just telling them like dude your portfolio isn't good like this isn't even like hitting the bar for like for like what a mobile game would be like. Right. Yeah. And and let me, let me phrase here. I like mobile games. They're very fun. I'm not yeah, criticizing yeah. anyone who works no, on mobile no, games, but, but if they're aiming for like working in three four three, then you've got to be like, well, yeah, it's I'll, like yes. it's like if, but even like every game studio that's worth their salt has this bar they need to hit, like a bare minimum bar. Um, it's a consumer market. If things yeah. don't look good enough, people aren't going to buy them. It's easy, simple as that. And then just like seeing them go, like, dude, I've spent so much time, and my teachers were telling me this was great, and I'm like, well, like I said, I'm just one guy. You know, you can email your stuff to anyone and whoever you want, how many people you want. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're going to get the same answer. But if you don't, great. But this is my personal feeling. Like, I don't think this is good enough. And a lot of the times, they'll say what studio they're trying to work there. They want to hit. And I, like I'll tell him, like, look, I don't think this is up to snuff because of these reasons. If you want, I know a guy here. Let me send you their information, yeah, and and you can uh, you can either email them or look at their work. 
And the other thing too is like, I want to work at, you know, uh, Treyarch. It's like, okay, well, I know a bunch of people at Treyarch. So here's their art station portfolios and here's yours. So I want you to put look at theirs. Yep. Yeah. Put, them right, put, them, put yours work next to their work. Mm. If your work, and you need to be realistic, if your work doesn't at least look like it or exceed it, you're probably not going to get it. Not saying that you won't, but it's very unlikely you'll get a position that you want. Now, granted, there's a lot of great positions, like great starter positions. So like I myself, early in my career, like I I worked on God of War 3, but I came in as a collision artist. So I came in doing tech art and fixing all the collision for the entire game. And a lot of people will say like, well, that's, you know, collision's not art. It's like, dude, performance like optimizing a game is a huge art and a lot of people will actually want to know like sure you can make this really cool box or this really cool robot or this really cool tree but can you make it run like yeah. will it run at spec like or bump into things or fall over or yeah. yeah it's like like anyone can make a really good picture but can you like can you make a game like do you know the ins and outs bring light to, that's yeah. the hard bit yeah I, and that, that's that's the big thing too. It's like making games, movies, TV. It's not just about making a pretty picture. It's got to run. Yeah. And um, that's yeah. it's not a pretty picture, man. Like optimizing is tough, and it's oh, yeah, yeah. it takes a long time, especially across like console generations and stuff like that as well. I mean, look at oh, Cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like it's it's tough, and and the fact is too, like you spent all this time working on this really cool asset, but it's like, dude, it doesn't run. You got to strip it. Like you got to cut all this off and then it's like, it's just a shell of what it was. But the thing Mm. is too, like I, one of the things I have to tell a lot of newer artists is like, you need to remember, I know what it used to look like and you do, but the public never will. Yeah. And what matters at the end of the day too. And this is where I get a lot of flack from a lot of people. So I know for a fact, no one is going to remember the art I made for a game in a few years even even a year yeah. the technology is changing so fast games there's a lot of really good games coming out from big studios indie studios just dudes in their garage you know they're, they're doing really good stuff you know people aren't going to remember the art i made they're going to remember how they, they felt playing it though yeah they're yeah. going to remember the fun they had they're going to remember the playing on playing it on their couch with their friends they're going to remember like how it made them feel yeah. but they're not going to remember like what I built, like no one's like gonna remember, color, like these buildings you made of the glass panel or something like that. Or, yeah. yeah, no one's gonna remember. They'll, they'll have, they'll kind of remember it. It's like, oh, I buy it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a that's another thing too. Like, mm-hmm. I love it when people stop to look at my art. There, oh, yeah. I but I also get paranoid too. It's like, is it bad because you stopped what you were doing and it's like, hey, you look at them. Yeah. yeah, it's like, hey, is something wrong here? Like, what? Why'd you stop? Because yeah, yeah. you're building this art so that way people can just keep running through it <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want to like break the suspension of disbelief you want them to feel like oh this is all cohesive natural world i'm going to run through this and you know do get from point a to point b nothing's sticking out nothing's looking like it's missing textures or popping in yeah 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 i mean the same thing you do like build reviews and you're running through stuff and you're like oh my god look at the grass like it's wrong like and then you'll get to the, the launch and there's maybe stuff you just can't fix because it's just your, your last minute and you stay ship and then uh, you're playing the, the final building you're running by and you're like, oh my god, look at it. Look at it. It's not finished. Oh my god, the UVs. Fuck, fuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the trims are like no lining up properly. There's this tiny wee seam that like you never thought, you know, you'd ever see. And 
yeah it's, it's one of these things that you, these games live forever obviously once you let go of them but it's, it's hard when you put them into the world because then you want them to stay this perfect cylindrical object that never that never moves or falls. but it's uh, oh, absolutely uh and what's funny too is like i've seen people do playthroughs of tons of games i worked on mm. and um they go by huge errors that i remember and it's like we just could not fix them because either something broke at the last minute and no one knows why or like it was just one of those things where someone decided to turn like this pillar like or this mm. box like 45 Left degrees the other right. way and it's like yeah, oh yeah. no it wasn't built yeah. for that yeah, and it seems at the back fuck. <laughs> and then but the thing is like no one called it out yeah. no one complained about it like in all honesty they were too busy having fun and yeah yeah granted that's not an excuse to you know to have sloppy work but no, no, but that's the main thing you really want is people to go in and, and have experiences and know, remember, you know, who built what and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, but then it's one of these things where, I mean, that's probably been something you've you've learned over the years, you've shipped in so many games. And then, of course, like, you know, talking about 343, I mean, that's obviously been the longest span in your career. I mean, officially, yeah, you was 2012, I think you came at the studio. So I started 343 February of 2011. Oh, and. Wow. I remember it, it was funny. So at the time I was doing a lot of freelance work uh, mm-hmm. back in California. And I was just at the point where I'm like, you know, I'm sick of LA, I'm sick of California. Like I just want to do something different, and I, but I don't know what. So I remember putting my resume up on a bunch of resume sites, like, like indeed uh, monster.com, uh, a bunch of those sites. And then just Our applying. Still not a thing. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, no, obviously it still wasn't a thing back then, 2011, it was 2014 minutes, so you were still, yeah. you know, games jobs were still, there was other places you had to go to find them. And um, and I would just start applying just to, I went to gamedevmap.com and just I'm like, oh. okay, what's every website, what's every company in America? I'm just going to take take like two hours a day, send my resume out, and then see, you know, see you bites. Yeah. And, you know, I did a lot of interviews, got a lot of rejections, and that's that's one of the things too like people like when people apply for jobs you're gonna get rejected yeah. like it's very rare you get like multiple offers in one go or something or have loads of experience yeah yeah it's like it, it just happens like you're gonna get you're gonna get a no and you can i, I used to be devastated over that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. at that point in my in my life i was like you know it's just a no and having worked at so many different studios at that point, because like I had jobs that were like a month. I had jobs that were a week. Some were just a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were like six months, some were five months. Like it, it's, it ranged all over, but because of that, I went through so many things and saw a, different, a bunch of different things. That's also why a lot of people ask me for like contract advice, like wage advice, like how, like how to negotiate. Like I've, I've been in, I've had some pretty crappy contracts. In my mm. in my day, like I've been totally taken advantage of. I've totally, I've totally undersold myself, like yeah. a lot. Um, and just seeing how that happened, and just you know talking to people like realistically about it, like figured out what I did wrong and how to fix that. But anyway, um, yeah, going back to it. So yeah, I just applied everywhere, and then I remember getting the call, like, hey, you know, I represent this company called Three Four Three. They make the game Halo, and I'm like, <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, washed up. Because <laughs> um, uh, prior to that, like I tried applying at Bungie like, mm-hmm. y- like a few years prior to that and uh, I, I, d- I did not do well. So right. like, the, um, you know, I got a couple rejections and then, you know, uh, you know, I tried, 
I tried again and it just, you know, didn't pan out, but it's okay. Like, you know, and then that's the thing too. Oh, here's a fun fact. I've taken several art tests. I have never passed one. I've never passed any art test. And but then was there an art test for 343? There wasn't. Uh, ah. So like a, a lot of jobs um, in games where I were with games, like if, if they had an art test, I never passed them. Interesting. I, and it could be for various reasons. And like, especially to like, there are some, some studios where, you know, I knew people there. And I'm like, Hey man, like I know for several reasons, you know, they can't tell me why I failed the art test. So right. there's a lot of legal reasons why. Of course, of course. And, and um, so I'm like, but Hey man, like, do you think like you could find out for me or maybe you could ask like, you know, what happened? Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes I would actually get a response back and it's like, huh, that's something. I never would have thought of that. Like I never would have thought of building something that way or, huh, I didn't think, Oh, okay. So the way I presented it this way was a big red flag. Now I know that and I won't do it again. So yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. Like I I wish more studios would tell you why you failed, but I I totally understand why they can't. But what uh, is the reason behind like why you can't? Is that a thing where they're afraid people will get mad or like, so, so, I've heard a few different reasons. Like one of the reasons that seemed the most logical to me was, so let's say you, your art test was a box Mm -hmm. and uh, the, all the rules were like, you need to build this box this way. And let's say you, you wanted to spice up the box. So you took the lid off and put it on the side and it's resting on the box. You turn that in and they're like, Hey, you failed the art test. Uh, because you put, you took the lid off the box and had it leaning up against the box. Right. We didn't ask yeah. you to do that. But then person B takes the test. They do the same thing, mm. but maybe the lids on the other side Right. and they pass and then they get a job and right. you're like, Hey, you know, you failed me because mm. I put the box off the top and put it on the side. This guy posted his work saying this, this art test passed. So right. why so why does he get the job and I don't? And then that could lead to depending on where you are in the world, that could be taken like as a discrimination sign, of, sign of discrimination, or it could be like, was there something else? Like, was there some Especially kind of person's like a minority or like someone that's disabled or anything like that? Yeah, so it's that. it's just this giant can of worms. Like, granted, there there's also other there's there's other reasons too. Like, but mm. like that's a that's a common one I've heard over the years. It's like they can't talk about it because they, maybe they hired someone that did do it wrong, but yeah, they, they had enough in the rest of their portfolio to, to, you know, to supersede that. Or maybe, you know, this person did bad on the test, but all these people know this, this artist, they can vouch for that person. Like, hmm. and, and it's one of those things too. Like some people just don't do good on tests. Like, yeah, like it, it happens, like you know. I think art tests are such a, a weird thing. It's such a weird middle ground where, I'd, you know, if people's portfolios are good enough, I mean, it's like just hire them. And then, I mean, like there's a thing Gary V talks about where he's like, what you really need to, need to get good at as a company is firing people. Like, never mind, like you know, should we hire this person? Should we hire them? And think about it days and days. And days. Just hire people, and then within like three or four weeks, if they're not hitting the mark, then just fire them. It's like, you know, like it, it seems brutal, but like then you're giving opportunities to people that you might not or might do better than you thought they were going to do. So, you know, I think there's a whole mentality behind art tests are good, but then like 
sometimes it's like hire people, get them on board, and then like if you know within their contract you can stipulate like if they're not hitting the stride within I don't know a month, two months, whatever, like their first six months probation. Then of course you can just let them go. Yeah, I can definitely see the benefit in that. Um, I also it's taken me a long time to come to terms with people have art tests so that way no one can say they they got in off of like a free ride you know we all had to do the same Mm -hmm. thing and i definitely understand that mentality of let's hire more people and fire people if they're not pulling their weight and it definitely it definitely sounds cruel and that could work if you have a lot of money to blow because that's the thing like depending on where you are in the world i'm just going to use United States um, standards for this just because it's the easiest thing for me. So like hiring someone full-time is a lot of money because you have to, when it's a salary, then it's benefits, then it's insurance, and then it's licensing for your programs. Then it's the equipment. And then if you're in an office, like you have to pay for that space. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to, then you have to take an additional insurance uh, claim for that person now walking into the building. Then you, then your business has to pay, insurance on top of that insurance. Right. So, so then all of a sudden, like this person, let's say we'll just throw out a random number. Let's say like I hired this person with a salary of $50,000 USD, mm. but to hire that person full-time is probably going to cost $225,000 USD. Right. And, that, that's just, and, and, and that's not even giving them the full 50 K for the year. Like all that money is just to get them on board. Yeah. So, and then they're there for like a month or two, and then you fire them. It's like I'm out that money. Like, yeah, I'm not getting that money back. So I mean, it's maybe a thing where it's like a contract position where like you're not taking on initially full time, but then because I know I know engineering firms that used to do this when I used to work in engineering, where you would work initially on a contract basis as almost like a freelancer. Yeah, sure. And then after your probation, you know, because contract then obviously there's a lot less legal stuff involved, like you said, with money and stuff. Um, so you'd work contract based and then after six months if you're hitting every mark people are like cool you've hit everything you know your leads and everything are happy with you director's fine um let's organize a full-time contract and then get you involved in that way sure um could, it could be an option could be a roundabout way of, of giving people more of an opportunity early on yeah. in their career yeah no i i've definitely seen that um uh and i i really think that's that's a cool idea too um it's you know because when you do contracts it's a lot less stress Mm-hmm. on like the main company because it's the it's the contracting agency that's dealing with a lot of that upfront stuff and you know they're you know the main company is paying the agency the agency breaks down their fees and then pays you the rest um 100 uh was that was, was that how you started with with 343 or were you straight in the door as a full-time no so when i started so i was a contractor because at the time like you know i was also still pretty young so and I was just happy just working. So, yeah, of course. Uh, I was just happy, like, you know, hey, you know, this is, I've loved, ha- I've, hey. I've loved Halo for, forever. You know, this is a chance I've been trying to get into work on Halo for years. So yeah, yeah. I got in and, you know, just kept, just kept going. And like, I originally came on as an environment artist, but so the people I worked with at Sony on God of War 3, mm-hmm. they saw my resume come through the pipe. Right. And, one of them vouched for me and he said, Hey, I worked with Tim, you know, we were there working long days, you know, on God of War and mm-hmm. he's a really good guy. He's really good at tech. You know, and I know we're I know we're looking for a tech guy, so maybe we can use him as both, or maybe you can shift him to a tech art position. Right. And so, you know, I got pulled aside because like, hey, you know, 
this person said, you're a really solid guy, but you're also really good at tech and we need someone who can do tech. And I'm like, sure, man. Like I'm, I'm just happy to be part of the squad. So you can do tech. Let's do tech. So, yeah. so most of, uh, pretty much all of Halo four, I just did all of tech art. So there was a lot of optimization, a lot of collision stuff, a lot of LOD stuff, but then also like a lot of animation, a lot of destruction, um, a lot of scripting. Uh, it was really cool. Like it was super beneficial. Um, and then just the, the thing that people don't give tech artists and engineers enough credit for is like when they get something to work, you know, and you can see it from like all the, like the artist puts all this effort into making this really cool object or this scene. Yeah. And then you're in the background, like, okay, how can I find a way to optimize this? How can I make this animate? Like, how can I make this look cool? And then yeah. to see all the back end stuff that, you know, no one can see this, the rigs you build or no one can see the yeah. scripts that you write, but the fact that it's there and now you're seeing like everyone gets to see the end product, but it's off yeah. of the stuff you did. It's yeah. super inspiring. It's like, man, I helped build that. I mean, you're almost like the diamond in the rough because like tech artists, as you know, are one of the, the hardest jobs to hire for because there's so few people who really do it. And full that's, time. that's the thing too. Like, uh, I remember we had that conversation uh, a while back. It's like, cause you're asking like, Hey, I'm going to have a tech artist on here. Like what are some questions that you might want to hear or that you might mm-hmm. want to know? And, it all kind of depends too. Like, what kind of tech art are we talking about? Are we talking about like talking about scripting right, tech yeah. art? We're we talking about building tools, talking about optimization, talking about you know like rigging. Like, there's there's a lot of like it varies wildly. Um, Shaders, Unreal yep. stuff, real time. Yeah, yep, absolutely. All that stuff is considered tech art. Um, and then you can break it down further. It's like I specialize in character tech art, so you know rigging shaders you know movements like blend shapes stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah um yeah so halo 4 i did tech art and then for halo 5 i really wanted to do art i was because at the time like the rest of my history when it came to games mm-hmm. i was doing tech art yeah percent of it yeah and anything not games i was doing environment art and I was at the point now where I'm like, you know, I, I really want to do art and, you know, I, I, that's, that's where my passion is. I've been doing all these things. Like I want to do art. So I talked to my, my lead and he goes, well, Tim, like I get your passion about this, but your portfolio is not up to snuff. So, right. and so, he, so he gave me this task of like, Hey, if you want to work on art, you mm-hmm. know, let's, you still need to do your job here, yeah. but like you just need to just just work on your portfolio, you know, work on those skills, and then you know, if you can show me some improvement, you know, we'll we'll see what we can do, because we we need to be able to make sure you can do the work. I know you can build the work, but we need you to execute all the way when it comes to art. And I was like, cool. So you know, I'm like, that's fair. Like, so you know, on my free time, you know, I took a look at my portfolio, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, like we were both looking at uh, our portfolios because she was also in the same boat. She was also doing a lot of tech art and she wanted to do art as well. So uh, we just like, you know what, let's just, let's look at the top, the top modelers at our studio. So, you know, we were, we looked at their stuff and we're like, we can do this. So we just mm-hmm. threw out our entire portfolios and we, we gave ourselves this time limit of a week, a week per project. So wow. we were just banging stuff out like yeah. like uh, we were doing like studies. We were just doing like 
smaller like corner scenes like that, that's that's one of the bigger things too just to go on a different tangent for a quick second so mm-hmm. a lot of people get discouraged because they try and build this big phenomenal scene and they look really cool but it's so hard to do that by yourself yeah. so we realize that like just because you know you if you've done enough 3d you realize like big scenes are really hard to do and there's a lot to manage for one person, yeah. For one person. So let's just keep everything to a small corner. So this way you just have to worry about like two quarter walls and like whatever your hero prop is in the center or off to the side yeah, or something. Yeah, diorama almost. Yeah, so we started doing that or we would just do like really overly complicated just assets just to show we could technically, like we were doing technical modeling, like Beautiful. we knew how to build everything cleanly. You could animate it. You could render it just fine. Like there'd be no weird artifacting when lights hit it. Like. So we just did that. And then, uh, you know, we beefed up our portfolios and, you know, a little bit down the line, it's like, this is really cool, man. Like I, like, it's not that, um, people are jaded. It's like, they've given this advice so many times and just to see people like, just not do it. So the fact that, you know, one, the person gave the advice, I took the advice and did the thing and then kept iterating on it for like, this is what we needed. So, so then that's where I got to do full environment art for halo five. And, uh, they basically, uh, two leads for MP and campaign, you know, we got to pick the people they wanted. So I got picked to do multiplayer. And, um, what was cool too, was I always asked for more responsibility. Like I always wanted to be a lead, like, cause my goal was to be like a lead environment artist one day. Like that was my top thing for my, for my bucket list. And just being able to like do all the work and then, you know, help manage like all these newer artists and then help bring them up and then work with other veteran artists, you know, just to learn from them. And then they were able to make me a lead. So I got to, I got to lead a few handful of uh, MP maps on Halo 5, which I was super jazzed over. And uh, that was also in the time too, where uh, I got hired full-time during Halo 5. So all my work. Wow, so you're only a full-time employee on five, yeah. So Correct. you went all the way before and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and um, that that's why I was saying too, like people shouldn't be afraid of contract work. Like contract works can be extended. Contractors, you know, they can work for a very long time. Um, it's contractors, yeah. And uh, and prior to that, I mean, everything I did before three four three was a contract. So because that that's just all they were given in California and. I just, I just knew that, you know, if I worked long enough, you know, and I kept working, you know, my ass off, you know, it would make it. And if it, if it didn't, as long as I had something consistent where I could pay my bills, I'd still be happy. Like, because right. I was making enough money where, you know, I could pay for my own insurance. You know, I was able to take care of myself, you know, and, you know, I was able to even put a little bit in savings. Like that was huge. Like, um, but yeah, and then, yeah, did a lot of MP stuff for Halo 5 and then uh, worked on a lot of the sustained maps for a while. Like after we nice. shipped Halo 5, then we had all those DLC maps, those free DLC maps that we dropped uh, every like, I think it was like four months, I think, like four or five months, something like that. Um, yeah, uh, did those. And then, yeah, then we just started working on um, uh, Halo Infinite. Uh, yeah, then that's where one of those 
things where I wanted more responsibility. Like I just, cause I wanted to keep furthering myself and I commend three, four, three, a lot for this. Like I owe a lot to that company for various reasons because three, four, three actually gave me the opportunity to become a better artist. And they gave me chances to be a better artist and to prove I could be a better artist. And if I wanted more responsibilities, you know, they would give me more responsibilities. Like, and the fact that I even met my wife now from three, four, three, like, yeah. Um, I Which met is her. rare, obviously, in, in some places, you know, it's like a whole, I mean, in some places it's almost frowned upon, right? Cause it's very rare that people with, you know, within departments or within studios, but then it's like, um, yeah, I mean, I've heard so many people we meeting, you know, their spouse at games or their spouse in, in, in studios and yeah it's like it's, it's great when it works because it's always like yeah. it's, it's a double-edged sword right because if it doesn't work right and that's, that's 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 the other <laughs> side of the issue yeah i i remember um i've had that question come up a couple times like i what would you have done if you know something happened with you and liz it's like right yeah you you, you work like i there's this like younger mindset of like oh man i can't it's like dude you just you just go to work yeah. just go to work just do your job it's okay like stuff happens like and if it's if it really becomes that big of an issue like just get another job like yeah 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 i mean, I mean yeah it's one of these things i think it's just you know it's always the you always hope for the best but then like it's you wouldn't want to you know especially because you had worked so hard to get to 343 right you wouldn't yeah. want to have something that jeopardized that that uh opportunity you know it's, it's it's you know i can see what i can also see where people would be very cautious about sure like there's there's definitely like there's there's pros and cons to everything um but yeah no it's uh we've been very happy um she's good but yeah and the people i've met at 343 like that's been one of the biggest proponents of me staying for so long is i've learned so much i'm still learning so much and even like newer artists like you know fresh out of the gate you know fresh out of school or you know fresh off of an indie team you know just seeing all their skills and like where they're coming from and like getting their mindset and it's like man i could have done this and maya this this whole time that's wild it's yeah. like you know i didn't think about doing it this way that's actually really cool like like i definitely have no qualms with those kinds of people and i think uh your last uh interview that just aired they were talking about you know like i think ubisoft has like this whole structure where like a senior has a few juniors and a few junior and like it just keeps going down the list like yeah, there's a lead and then the lead has like three seniors and yeah. each senior has five juniors yeah yeah so it's like a, a, almost a pyramid of like people you know in yeah. The structure. yeah yeah and it's it's super cool like uh, uh just seeing their mindset and just like like i said like just learning all these new things from them like because yeah. i don't want to be the smartest guy in the room and i don't want to be like the most talented i want to keep learning that's why i'm so jazzed to like see how people are doing things like because i want to get yeah. better um because I like yeah. teaching and I like leading and like getting these new techniques to help me, which is going to help them. So if they shine, I shine. So yeah, of course. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, three four three seems like a great place. I mean, you know, the, the, the stories I've heard from it are always positive, and, and people talk about the culture there, and it's really great. And um, you know, it's one of these things that you know it, it's hard, I think, for some people to see themselves anywhere else. Because sometimes, like, I think you're almost the rare a in the in the industry where people have been at a place for a long time like because you're talking now 2022 you're talking what nearly 10 years at, at 343 yeah going on like a little bit over 11 i think at this point wow yeah so i mean it's one of these things where you say to yourself like you know because you look at the industry now right and people do jump a lot right they might even finish like one project and then they'll move again one project then they'll move um because you obviously spend three or four years four or five years on a game and 
people try to think like i want to do something different i want to work on something else or i want to go indie i want to go triple a you know you move between yeah. um so that's been a thing where you've always just really you've enjoyed where you were and that's what i'm, I'm saying that's it's rare you know yourself like, yeah and, and i don't fault anyone if they want to leave like yeah. like, like you said there's a plethora of reasons like and like there's some people that just get burnt out they want to do something else or you know and it, or hey. if they're not happy like like yeah. i've had a very positive experience does everyone have that same experience probably not like i i, I can't see into other teams i can't tell how people think so if people are doing it because they're not happy if they're leaving because they're not happy that's good like you need to work on yourself or if they want to do yeah. something new because they want to spread their wings more like they feel they'll they they can get more satisfaction like somewhere else because they want to just try something different that's totally fine too. Like, yeah. now, like a younger Tim, the the twenty something Tim, yeah, had the mindset of like, you know, how could you do this? You know, like you're betraying. You know, you're, you know, it's why would you do? You know, this is such a cool place. Why would you betray this? And like, the older yeah. I get, it's like, I mean, some people just want to do something else. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. And, like, I mean, we talked about that because that's, I mean, it's public knowledge now at this yeah. point. But um, you know, Spark left recently, yeah. and he's now moved on to another company. But I think it's just at one point, it's not even that you're you're um upset like you probably love where you work but you just want yeah you just want to change the scenery you just want to walk yeah. in the same a different building than the same building because the same building can just get to you every time and you just want a fresh door a fresh set of people new faces yeah, yeah and there's nothing wrong with that like just seeing how other people work just you know just a different kind of culture and mentality like that's totally cool i'm like and it helps you grow like and the thing is too like since i had so many jobs like because like, I worked in big studios, I worked in people's garages, I worked in people's houses, I worked from home. Like even before, like I I got to three four three, and it was like just seeing so many different people and just seeing getting so many different experiences was huge. Like, yeah. and like I've even recommended people too. Like if they're like if they're not sure about you know staying at their current job, you know it's like well why don't you just look at trying something else? Like at least just see what's out there. Like. It's yeah, okay. Like there's, I, I'm not going to be someone that's going to be like, no, you should, you should always stay where you are. You like, if you don't want to, yeah, you don't yeah, want never to leave. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, if you want to go out and take a look, go take a look. Like there, there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people are scared though. It's like, you know, I, I want stability, but you know, I also don't want to be chained down, which is interesting. It's a hard balance act. Very hard balance act to have. Yeah. yeah so it's, uh, you just kind of have I mean, to do especially it, especially with kids and a family and a wife. It's like you know, your priorities change. You have to think about what's best for your family, not what's just best for you. Um, and it is difficult to take the leap because if you want to leave for three, for three, for instance, and go do something else, then it's like you're not just having that conversation with yourself. You got to think about your kid and then also talk to your wife about how's this going to impact us as a family. Like, do we want to leave Seattle? You know, like you know, it's it's a whole thing. You know that you've got to try and work through. Um, as opposed to when you were younger, like you said, and you were single, you can just pick up and leave and, and move. So yeah, because I, I remember having that conversation with my wife. It's like, man, it'd be really cool to work on a Final Fantasy game. And like, if <laughs> if this was like you know ten years ago, you know, it's like I'm willing you know, to, to pick up, you know, <laughs> move everything to Japan, you know, you know, learn Japanese, you know, at least enough Japanese to get by. Um, but then it's just like, like I was saying, like it's just being at three four three was it was such an enriching experience and it still is to this day. Like I'm still very happy. Um, and I'm still learning stuff to this day. And like, I'm still getting challenged every day, which is cool. Um, that's, that's I mean, I mean it's, it's definitely, it's landed with a, a thud and it has garnered great review scores. So, I mean, it's, it's good, right? Cause I mean, there's always yeah. the, 
what if, right? What if it sucks? What if it gets fucking six out of ten or five out of ten? Or what do we do then? But like, you know, it's it's done well. So I mean, it's it, that's a positive for the whole studio, right? Because then it's like great, fantastic. We've had our stride again. We're we're doing we're making great games. Um, so yeah, it's just like, where do you go from here? And and obviously like Halo, the way the especially the way games games are built now, almost the services, especially multiplayer, right? There's a whole roadmap of mm-hmm. like the next year or two, like with DLC content seasons for. Or, yeah. you know the, the online stuff so yeah there's there's probably enough there to keep it going long enough that you can you know it's you know the hardest part is done now and you know it's just now it's just like almost like maintenance i mean i'm not going to say that it's not difficult whatever you're doing now of course it's always going to be challenging like you said but um at least you've kind of stuck the landing initially right yeah and, and, I, and the thing is too like um like when you when you ship a game or just ship a product in general that's not like the end goal that's like the starting line so it's like the goal is to build like this really good game that lasts for a long time. Whether, even if there was like no DLC, like let's just say it was just a straight single player game. But the fact that like people keep buying it, people keep talking about it, you know, it's you've built an ecosystem out of the effort you put in. Like that's that's the continuation one. Same thing with like launching a console, launching a console. That's not the finish line. That's the start because <laughs> you, you want to make an ecosystem where people like they like the product they keep putting money into the product and they, they want to expand it more and more so like that's the that's the that's the goal like especially with game pass because like at this point you know like i don't know how the fuck anybody's going to compete with game pass at this point because they have bought every studio on the planet at this point i mean like even the whole activision deal you know buying blizzard and, and activision and that whole ecosystem with that like you know and and 343 has been part of that for a long time and, and microsoft studios and yeah, it's a whole thing. Like it's, uh, I mean, it, like we we talked about this early on, right? When mm-hmm. we, were, we were talking on the, the server, but you know, uh, when I left college or I was leaving college or just you know getting to the point of starting to apply at university, I was watching the sprint yeah. on on YouTube, which is all the documentary behind the scenes for for Halo Five, and uh, yeah, like there was a whole world back then. Even then, looking back on like how that was built and how that inspired people, and you know how that moved people forward and. You know, it was funny even like looking at that series and right at the end, um, I forget the guy's name, is it Phil Spencer, who's the, the head of Xbox now, but mm-hmm. um, he was in giving the, the speech at the end of you guys shipping Halo 5. And at that time, I think he was only like one of the heads in maybe like the studios or something like that. It wasn't even like running Xbox at that point. Um, but to see how far all the companies have came and him and you guys and just like the whole explosion of like 343 and what it is now. And yeah, it's crazy to think how far you guys have came in the space of what four or five years um yeah it's it's been it's been a it's been a ride man it's been super exciting um did you do anything did you do anything cool for the the infinite launch for you guys out there drinking and shooting guns in the air let's so, <laughs> see so because it was covid oh, during the pandemic of course yeah. right of course during covid yeah yeah so it, it was covid so um uh you know it, people masked up you know we went to we, we had our launch party you know at the studio um nice yeah, no, it was basically just, it wasn't really a launch party per se. It was more like, man, I haven't seen you in months. Like, yeah, it was, just, it was last November, right? So it was November 16th, November 18th, something like that last year. Yeah, right? so it was it was just wild just to see people again. Cause, yeah, I can imagine. Cause yeah, I mean, just like everybody, like every other business, it's like, once sadly, once once COVID started hitting here, it's like, first it was like, remember when, it, when COVID was supposed to be two weeks? Remember that? Oh yeah, then two months, then yeah. oh maybe two years. <laughs> yeah, and then it just kept going, and it's like oh man. Um, yeah, but yeah. So, so was, I've seen, 
I've seen some gnarly uh, launch parties, and I'm sure Infinite would have been uh, pretty, pretty epic as well. You know, it was pretty casual for the most part. Um, it, it was cool just seeing everyone. You know, we we had, there, there was some food. There was a couple of ice sculptures I that I saw that that was pretty cool. Like nice, nice. Um, yeah. Was uh, that in, was that in the Redmond office? You guys in the actual office for that? Yeah, uh, Grant. It wasn't. It's, it's not like when people think ice sculptures. Like, man, it must have been like the six foot. Thing. No, man, it was like something. You know, you cool centerpiece. <laughs> you know, for for like a cool table. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, like, cool. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine. Like, I think even like getting through COVID and shipping that also was was you know a, a challenge in itself, right? And oh yeah, dude, like the whole mindset of like what we were talking about earlier in this was like you know just the camaraderie of like just being next to each other. You know, I could turn around and talk to my guy and talk to my team. Mm. You know, and we can vibe off each other. You have to rebuild all that again online, and it's like. It takes you back to like if you were ever on a mod team or you know making you know right working like, remotely yeah. working remotely like that you know just with people all across the the country you know to build mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. it's a lot like that but it was also like you know you had people that were working in games you know 15 20 some years and um <clears throat> they've never had to do that so and then you know thankfully you know microsoft is you know i've they're a pretty tech savvy company you know it's it's hard to believe, but uh, <laughs> I, I, who this this little indie company called Microsoft? Yeah, the small, so, the small startup, yeah, 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 small startup called Microsoft. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I mean, it took a bit to get all that worked out because there's just a lot of security stuff you got you got to figure out. There's a lot of logistics, and then it's like, you know, do do people at their home do they have the right equipment? Like, do they have a good internet connection? Do you have to send them a computer? Do they need a laptop? Do they need Icentique? Do they need a desk? Yeah, you know, like, I, I, a lot of that stuff, but. But yeah, I mean, it took a while, but once we got in the groove, man, it was, it was good. Um, That's and, the, also the unsung heroes of any game studio was the IT department. <laughs> absolutely, like we could not have done any of it without God. them, and they were yeah, just making computers work and running the right software and Jesus Christ updates and yeah, yeah, and the and our IT team, like the networking team, man, they were they were going crazy, like they they did a oh, lot, yeah, you know, and in such a short amount of time, and it it worked pretty darn good so. yeah. shipping stuff out in boxes making sure it all goes to the right people making sure it gets to them in time and it's all safe and secure and yeah and then especially too like a lot of people you know like and i don't blame them at all i mean covid covid sucked man and it gets real lonely like and oh yeah no get, i mean i've lived through it man I, I graduated in the tail end of 2018 and i had that one year where i kind of grinded done some stuff went to events and then mm-hmm. as soon as i came back from la and lightbox covid so like yeah and like, yeah for the people that don't have a significant other or even a pet like i mean like some people move back home and it was really good that you know like microsoft 343 in general were like do it like we we need you happy we need you healthy so that's what's important right now and yep 100 and they were really they were really good about that so a lot of people you know ended up going back to their hometowns you know and so yeah. some people you know literally flew back across the pond some people you know went 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 back to, international. to, to yeah they went back you know international the uk europe i mean they're st- and they're still you know it sucked because you know your days are kind of weird just because of like the time difference but time difference, right? yeah. but i mean we made it work and it was you know it's we, we shipped a damn good game like yeah yeah i mean i mean congrats in that sense i mean like it's been one of the biggest challenges i think the game industry has faced over the last fuck i don't know since it started <laughs> like, yeah. i've never really had to deal with it nobody has in human history at this point 
um for us especially you know so yeah i mean at least it, it shipped and you know i think a lot of the cracks that showed early on was just the results of trying to adjust to the covid working and, and getting things optimized and everybody's sitting in their own house so mm-hmm. yeah guys I, I definitely applaud 343 and, and you for, for working through that so yeah congrats on that and uh here's to the the next project whatever that's going to be in the future whenever that's announced and whatever's going to be the whole next thing but yeah i'm sure your your cooks are still very much in infinite and making sure that shines and, and does well and you know the, the endeavor that is you know the multiplayer and everything and you guys have still got to launch co-op and everything that's still a thing that's got to happen as well at one point so i mean yeah there's probably still stuff that you guys are day-to-day still working on so yeah it's a busy train to, to to push along but i'm sure you guys are enjoying the journey and like you said you get to be challenged every day and and get to, to go to work with awesome people so yeah it's it's, it's it's exciting times man um so speaking to that like um some topic i was, I was trying to think about mm. um dang, what was it we, we got so into it into our conversations I, I lost track of some things but no it was cool um it's, 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 I mean, like, at least he's working through the pandemic, working through yeah. with the teams. It's, it's, it's good to have been difficult. And, um, yeah, you came at the other side of it, um, relatively unscathed. Cause like you said, you shipped, you know, and, and, and even though you, you faced a delay, like most studios do, you know, not uncommon. I mean, people were kind of losing their shit, but I think it's, it's very common for people to, to, to delay games now. It's almost expected at this point. So, um, but you guys still managed to, to push out triple A quality, uh, remotely. So. Yeah, you guys have done well in that sense. So, yeah, definitely congrats. That cool? Did it come back to you? What are you thinking? Was it was, was it still on the head? No, but um, but is there anything else you want to talk about, man? You got any like just a just general question? You got any topics you want to hit, man? Uh, I think. I mean, the, the thing I would say is we're hitting we're, we're heading for the two hour mark. Sure. So for me, this is definitely one of the longer episodes, um, which I've enjoyed, which has been great. I've, mm-hmm. I've definitely loved everything i've talked about i mean this is one of these things right man when you come in the podcast is that when you talk to industry professionals that you could sit here almost for 10 hours right because there's just there's so much stuff to talk about and you talk even at one subject you know if we just talked to even like blender and maya you know and that whole debate that's going on we could be here running like a whole 10 hour stream you know just talking about literally just talking about Mm -hmm. software because there's so much to talk about and so much nuances between you know which one to pick and stuff like that speaking to that if anybody wants to hear that conversation between me and Gordon talking about Maya, Max, and Blender, and Lightwave, and all that, leave it in the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but there's a whole... I mean, I think definitely what we can say is we'll get you back on. I think there's definitely there's going to be room for... We could even do... A, like you said, we could do a whole episode on software. Like, that could just be a thing on, you know tools to learn right now which ones to focus on which are the best for you you know zbrush max maya blender substance you know substance modeler you know uh fucking medium uh on uh the, what's, what's the one uh, nomad on ipad is now a thing as well and oh yeah yeah you know, yeah yeah that's that's cool man so many so many even even now that procreate has a 3d painting feature where you can actually texture and paint yeah dude, dude that thing is sick man like especially like even like an older like iPad Pro can run it, and then you can actually like just paint on top of your OBJ. Looks it looks pretty decent. Ridiculous, yeah. I just I just got like a, a an iPad Pro, so this was my my recent endeavor was uh, the the twenty twenty one, so the most recent one, um, the cool. one terabyte, which I got because I was told the one terabyte came with the sixteen gig of RAM versus the eight gig of RAM. So it's oh yeah, 
Yeah, dude, so, that's cool. And it has the M1 chip in it as well. So, like, I mean, no match ridiculous, man. You can get something like 4K renders in like 10, 10 seconds. It's crazy. Absolutely dude, crazy. Dude, that's how I felt like when people were playing around mid journey and like they're getting like these super sick, like high end, like AI renders. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, in, AI in is less like... than min- in, like less than a minute. And I'm like, dang, man, that's awesome. Yeah. AI is even that's its own thing, right? I mean, I've seen people have recently have podcasts on just that subject. Like we just interviewed Scott Robertson not long ago, and his whole shtick was on, you know, AI, VR sculpting, three um, D modeling within concept, you know, like design. There was a whole thing where because he's right, he's trying to write that third book, right, which is design, how to design, because he's got how to draw, how to render, yeah. how to make, how to design now, um, and his and you know intro into like VR and AI. Um, he was like, yeah, the, the whole thing is fascinating. There's so much depth just to even that subject. And we had a whole conversation on just that one thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a whole route you could go down where you're talking about just one thing and it's uh, it's crazy. But yeah, we will get you back on and I'll try and get a, a feel in the, the comments and in the Discord for you guys uh, where you want us to go with the next conversation because I'm not opposed to getting people back on multiple times. I'm more than willing. Uh, we've had many two, three timers that have came on and, and, and expanded um but we got most of the bulk stuff out right you know we talk mostly about your career your early career working in different contracts freelance you know getting into 343 what you've done over the, the halo games working in different stuff in halo 4 halo 5 so i think when we come back to talk next we could really zero in on a, a subject like software or discipline or motivation or stuff like that or how it, maybe a hard surface you know and how you see the difference between even that because i know obviously there's hard ops in blender now that's totally making rains and things and oh oh yeah man even going back to like ai stuff or even nfts there's a lot of i know there's a lot of controversy over both and but it's also like you're looking at it from like there's a lot of like places in the world that don't have it as great as like a more first world developed country like there's a lot oh, of places 100%. like so like that's why like there's I totally understand the stuff with with NFTs and crypto. Like I I I get the bad, but there's also like if you think about it from this perspective, it's changed some people's lives. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely, especially people where, you know, they don't have banks or you know, they're No, exactly. They're sadly, yeah, they're sadly the only form of currency is crypto. Yeah. Yeah, and, and sadly they have situations where you know, they're getting all their money taken away for various reasons and crypto's given them life. Like it's given them well, I mean Talking about even like, you know, south of the border with Mexico and Brazil and even just Southern America, like a lot of the guys who are working down there who work for literally sometimes, you know, pennies, you know, and, and they see them now thriving and launching their own stores and launching their own NFT ranges and making a bunch of money. Like, you know, thank God, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, help people down there. I yeah. Mean, and, so. and just like with, with AI stuff, like there's the gray area of like, you know, is this too close to somebody's art? Like, should you, should, like, should yeah. you be getting like profits for it? Like, and then, like, mm. and then it gets in that gray area of like, well, if we start doing that, what about photo bashing? Like, yeah, because like, if you yeah. open up, I mean, like, if you open up one, you got to open up the other. And like, there's I mean, photo bashing in a sense is used for production in a sense that the thing you photo bash to use for content will probably never see the light of day because it's just it can be an idea. But then with with NFT AI stuff, it's like, well, some people are using AI stuff to make money off. So it's like then that's almost a gray area where yeah like where does that because I, I mean i've never seen somebody photo bash something for profit i've seen some people photo bash stuff to make art to make concepts um especially sure. within production yeah well, well you could find you could probably pick a handful of those art books even right behind you there's probably some photo bash in there and it's like oh, 100 and then yeah. it's like well so the person you took the photo from like should they be getting paid do they even know they got yeah. this? like it's it's this real great it's like there's no great answer 
And I totally mm-hmm. get the understanding of like, you know, if this is stealing, if this is looking too much like my art, or this is starting to to, encro- to encroach on stealing my art, yeah, I totally get it. Well. Like I, there's, I'm not taking that away from anyone. Like I get it. Like you worked really hard on this and all of a sudden, like somebody like, else just took it, like yeah. a robot, like rebuilt it. And now it's, it's so similar, but it's different enough where you, that person could probably sell it and make yeah, money off yeah, of it, yeah. which you didn't like. Uh, Even for Bastion, I mean, you're, you're you're careful in a sense that you're no ripping like whole images, right? You're yeah. almost trying to take road textures, rocks, a couple of trees, maybe, you know. And even if you go to like stuff like, uh, um, was it photobash.org? Was that the website years ago? I think it's still going. Matthias, I think, runs it. And it was like he would make packs of trees that were already pre cut mm-hmm. so that if you wanted to use trees and photos, you had like copyright free packs where he took the photos, you know, the trees were his, or no trees aren't his but he took the photos of the trees yeah. and cut them out for that specific reason so then yeah like he's the photographer he's the end goal so like you can use that stuff for production um but yeah it's a very uh, photo bash yeah. is still a very good area yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah we, we can get into all that kind of stuff at uh, another time but yeah no uh, we we have many opinions and many <laughs> yeah i yeah, know oh, i mean like i said there's a whole we could even just do a whole episode on just like 3d modeling like we've never really yeah. dived into like subdivision and you know building stuff for production like there's a whole conversation just for that um so yeah we'll definitely talk after the podcast and we can see what yeah. ideas we come up with and then and go for there yeah um man. yeah but 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 thank you for coming on sure thank you for giving up your time i hope you enjoyed it yeah dude this this was fun man and it's it's actually nice being able to talk to you and actually see you because we mostly just had chats over the last few years and of course yeah and it's it's actually yeah. nice just to you know see your face and, nice, yeah. and actually like be one-to-one with the face because you know i've seen i've seen your podcast you know it's like there's the guy that's the guy yeah, yeah. i know that guy yeah, oh, i recognize him yeah, i recognize him sense. but now it's like oh man i'm actually talking to the gordon the gordon the gordon i had that i had that uh when i was at lightbox that people would talk to me and they would say i recognize your accent from somewhere and i'm like oh yeah i run a pod and I'm like that's it i've listened to your podcast i know what you're talking so yeah like there's one of my friends ernie who uh, is a 3d catch artist we're good friends now but he actually as he was going through college listened to my podcast mm-hmm. uh, back in 2015 and uh when he graduated and started talking to me he was like dude i was such a fan of your podcast back in the day and like it's weird we're friends now i was like oh yeah it's crazy so but yeah it's it's weird how there's people who like went through school listening to me and are now working in the industry um even that time one of my friends just tell me that like there was an ap- entire department in a a triple a game studio i don't know if i can name what one it was but they were all sitting at lunch listening to one of my podcasts mm-hmm. um so it was like it was really fucking it just blows my mind man that people enjoy this shit so um yeah i'm, I'm really thankful for that but yeah again thank you for coming on and, and yeah for sure time. yeah definitely we'll do it again um for guys who have listened to this point um thank you for listening i know this one's a definitely a longer episode we're into two hours um but um i'm gonna try and snip it some parts of these up and also put them up as we just uh individuals um if you've got any questions for myself or Tim, I'm sure you've got plenty for Tim, uh, you can leave them down in the comments below. If you guys are listening on any of the audio versions, so Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts, anything like that, um, you can check out YouTube. You can see our faces. You can see what we're talking about and make, make our mouth smooth. And uh, you can leave comments down below and we can we can feed them back into Tim. He can answer them hopefully on the page. And uh, I'll also leave his details down below. So his art station or his contact details if you want to get in contact or talk to him about anything. Um, I'm sure he's pretty open to that as well and uh yeah there's also the discord link below you guys might jump in the, the digital digital archast uh discord specifically uh and share work there or feedback or want to suggest any uh, guests or any future things you want to see or hear and uh yeah that's pretty much it um if you guys can leave a, a like or a comment and uh, a wee 
subscribe it would be great it would help us out we've just passed it at 100 subscribers so uh thank god for that seems like it's the first 3000 took forever then we got 100 in a month so um, i'm hoping that continues um but yeah uh check us out on all the different social media uh, accounts including myself and tim and we will see you guys later uh thanks for tim coming on thanks for you guys for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye guys yeah <laughs>